0: by Andrei Sapkowski.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Entertainment Landfill Book Club. We're doing The Last Wish, a Witcher book series, if you will, by Andrei Sapkowski. Now, like the author's name, I have to warn you, we may get some names wrong as we talk about this <laughs> book. I'm not doing this show alone. I am the J-Strom, by the way. I'm doing it with Ross. Ross Pony from the Bay Area. How's it going, Ross?
0: It's going great. I just want to let you know, Jason, my room right now is completely full of the smell of lilac and gooseberries.
1: Oh, nice. Mine is filled with chamomile. (laughs) Very good. (laughs) I just thought that was funny. You know what's funny about this book just beginning? The very first part is basically a sex scene. Yeah, it is.
0: And I, I, it took me two listens through to... Uh, I did not read this book, just to let everybody know. I listened to the audiobook. If I were to try to read it, it would probably take me about six <laughs> months. Uh, yeah. But I, I, it took me a long time to figure out who the heck he was having sex with in the beginning.
1: Yeah. yeah, I know. It you know. It really helped to go back after finishing the book and just reading The Voice of Reason chapters because basically uh, this book is short stories kind of bookended by a present day story if you will the voice of reason is uh, Geralt uh, the witcher Geralt of Rivia he is uh, recuperating at this uh, this uh, temple of uh, Meletoli how did you say it? Mm -hmm. Meletola Meletola with Neneke, who is nursing him back to health. But at the very beginning of the book, he's like resting and this uh, girl crawls into bed with him and uh, starts poking him in the face with her breasts. <laughs> <You know?
0: laughs> yeah. yeah. And well, she... that, that's the thing that, that was a little confusing to me. Was So was he recuperating from the attack with the strigger that you find in like the the first story is that what's supposed to be happening the, because yes. w- one thing I will say about this book I loved it I thought it was great it was one of the the most um uh, refreshing uh fantasy books I've I've like experienced in a long time but it was very confusing in terms of the uh like the timeline for everything right. so did you pick up on that? If that was the 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 fight with the strigger yes. from, so that was supposed to be okay. Basically, kind of what like, I thought.
1: Basically, it's like this: The Witcher that chapter with the Striga has just happened, and then cut to the voice of reason, and now Geralt is recuperating and remembering these other stories
0: yeah okay so, that, that so, I it, it's so weird because like I said before when I listened to it the first time I picked up on none of that I thought it was just a yeah. bunch of like uh kind of tacked together stories that you know kind of went around the same basic theme but it weren't really connected that much so when I listened to it the, the second time I was like oh gosh you are really dumb man <laughs> so yeah
1: well no I had the same problem and I was just thinking okay each of these stories happened at a different time in his life and then I was like wait a second this stuff because the way it it ends as he's leaving the temple and stuff happens I'm like oh wait this is happening now I think and so I went back and just read the voice of reason like just skip to each of those parts and you see it fits together as him just recovering in this temple and Net- yeah. K is uh basically uh i don't know how do we begin the book do we just start talking about it <laughs> yeah pretty much i, I, I assume think so. that everyone who's listening to this has read the book otherwise you're going to be very lost but uh i will just say this this little introduction recently uh a trailer came out to netflix's series called the witcher <laughs> I was, I've was. i always been a little interested in The Witcher. I knew it was a series of games that looked kind of cool, but it really looked too large a world to dive in. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't know what the hell's going on in this. I don't know if I should just dive in with The Witcher 3. What are the first two games? Like, I don't know. But after I saw this trailer to the series, I'm like, you know, uh, I the first thing I read was the producer of the show saying this isn't based on the video game. It's based on the books, and I'm like, "Oh, what the hell? There's books!" So I did a search on how do you what the Witcher book order, and there's a series of novels. But first, there are these two books of short stories, and it recommended you read these two first, which is the Last Wish, and uh, the other one that I'm blanking on, and Sword of Destiny.
0: But those books didn't... They weren't the ones that were originally released. Like They they weren't released in chronological order, right? These books didn't come out first. There were other books before these two. Is that correct?
1: Basically, in Poland, uh, where the books... uh, The Last Wish, these short stories were released there first. I think the first story, uh, The Witcher, was released in a magazine. Oh, okay. Gotcha. So, uh, you know, I what I think happened is over time, you know, he continued the story like short stories and then wrote novels, but I'm not sure of the order they came out here in America, but I think the novels came out first here.
0: Got it. Um, Yeah. For me, it's weird because I had always seen this series on lists of like, you know, top 10 best fantasy series. And I'd always, for some reason kind of avoided it because in my mind, I don't know why I had attached it to the Nick Cage movie, The Season of the Witch. Oh my and gosh. I thought that it was all part of the same thing for no reason whatsoever. I don't know why I did that. But I just kind of thought, like, well, you know, if the if the, the movies are getting that treatment, it's, it's a property I don't want to attach myself to. So I just kind of avoided it. And yeah. in classic me fashion my first impression of stuff is usually pretty wrong so (laughs) when you when you suggested it i was i was like a little skeptical but i was like okay i'll give it a listen and my goodness i loved it i thought it was uh it was the entire time it kind of played on the the cliches that you get in a lot of those books that get so tiring after a while um Clichés that, you know, are, feel good and feel kind of like home when you're listening to them, but, you know, they just get worn out after a while. And this book kind of played on those the entire time. And that's what I really, really enjoyed about it.
1: Yeah. Um, I immediately like Geralt. Uh, I, he just seems like a cool guy, like very laid back, you know? What's weird is, like, the very first story, The Witcher, he immediately, like, kills a couple of guys in a bar. But he never really acts like that again through the rest of the book. Do you agree? No.
0: Yeah, they they almost introduce him kind of like the classic man with no name in, uh-huh. um, you know, in all the Clint Eastwood movies. Like he comes in, they don't even. Uh, introduce him as Geralt it's uh, you know he's introduced as the Witcher and he comes into this bar and just you know obliterates a bunch of people kind of like Clint Eastwood would do in one of those movies but you don't really like it's true like you're saying you don't really get that vibe from him really anywhere else in the book you know
1: Yeah, even that guy I think his name is Austrit he kind of accuses him of doing that just to like uh, to gain notice or something so they will take him immediately, and they kind of propose that the the king is in need of a a witcher because of a striga, and it turns out it's the king's daughter because he had uh, you know these stories have to always have incest in them. Apparently, <laughs> exactly, he had a baby with his sister, and it was all a scandal, and she died in childbirth and gave birth to this uh, to I did she look. I can't remember if she was disfigured, but didn't she? Died, she was dead when she was born, right? And then they yes. they put her in the crypt, and that's when she became a striga and would go out nightly or whenever to uh, kill.
0: So, did the the mom die as well in childbirth? Is that is that what happened? Because I know they were buried next to each other in the crypt. Is is that what yeah, was supposed to happen?
1: I believe so. Yeah.
0: Gotcha yeah you know that story was was very interesting to me because i like i was talking about them playing on cliche and everything like that or uh how do you pronounce the the author's name it's Andraj or on how do you I how just, do you say i
1: just call him andre
0: <laughs> andre okay yeah
1: well, You he, know, in I, Polish, the, the entire J's are kind of like they're just there to confuse you
0: yes i i, I totally understand but um it's, it's really interesting the way that he, he writes these characters and kind of builds this world. Like, as he's talking to that Castellan or Castellan, Lord Velorad or whatever. Yes. Like, he totally builds the world through uh, just like rumor and this conversation that they have. And, and you just get this whole vibe of the way the world is that it kind of feels like a, a Disney fairy tale world, but like soaked in Budweiser. You know, it's like a it's a very familiar world, but just with this slight kind of seedier twist that uh, I just really, really enjoyed. And in that conversation that they have where uh, he's talking to the Castellan or whatever, or Lord Valorad, that was like when I first started listening and was like, oh, man, I could really, really get on board with this
1: yeah i love the uh, the dialogue the way that he writes dialogue is so rich like i love when i my favorite part is whenever anyone's pissed off at the witcher and like insulting him and he's just kind of chilling there looking at him yeah you know they're calling him a a fool and like you're here you're an embarrassment get out of here you know or whatever and he's just like just sitting there taking it and yeah this guy ostrich he basically says uh you know the king wishes no harm to come to the striga because it's her his daughter but we would like to offer you a counter offer to kill her and then we will give you this sum of money and just get out of town but i think so interesting is geralt he decides to do the what he thinks is the right thing and try to cure the girl what's funny is when you first hear about the witcher you know he's he's a monster hunter. He goes around and killing monsters, but really what he does is he tries to solve problems, doesn't he? He tries to figure the stuff out. Like, yes, yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't go right to the Striga and try to fight and kill it. He wants to try to cure it, which I thought was really cool.
0: Well, and that's not at all the uh the the way that the character's introduced. You know, the character's introduced going into this bar and killing these guys, you think he's gonna be this bloodthirsty kind of uh you know, justice seeking um yeah. avenger type person, but it's true like like you say, he's much more of um of a thinker, you know? Mm-hmm. It, it's it's yeah, it's a really interesting character. Say, I, also- I
1: actually I got a Batman vibe from him. Am I crazy for thinking that?
0: No, definitely, because there's the whole part in the beginning where it talks about his chest full of, like, potions <laughs> yeah. and everything like that. I Like, I, I geeked out on that a little bit, and I was hoping yeah. that there'd be a lot more of that throughout the story. He but really, in sense. the first one is, you know, he takes a bunch of drugs, basically, to make himself superhuman to go fight the Strigger. And uh,
1: I love that when he first takes in his eyes are black and all shows up and he's like, blah, you know, like he sees (laughs)
0: exactly. And he's trying to he's trying to basically uh, when the other guy comes up, he's trying to uh, the other um, man. There's so many names in this book that I I, I'm just going to be calling him that guy, you know, (laughs) Uh, when I think it's Austin. Is that the guy that uh, that? Um, like, he basically insults him and then he goes and ties up and uses his bait.
1: Yeah, Lord Ostrad. Lord Ostrich. yeah. Full test is the king.
0: King Full well, test. Got it. I, I like when he takes all the drugs and is basically trying to keep it together because he's so amped up that he doesn't want to, you know, give away the fact that he's uh, using superpower stuff, basically. Yeah, he's at trying that point. to
1: stand very still, not to give away that he's lightning quick, basically. Yeah and i love that uh when austrit he's like get out of here now or i'll draw my sword and you know girl's just like uh, eh, you know just you need to leave or whatever and he pulls a sword and girl just easily just knocks him unconscious <laughs> and he waits
0: up. exactly
1: and he's like oh my god i'm bait aren't i <laughs> <laughs> yeah. right so what wh- what did you think about the
0: uh the the character the king lord or uh king faultest Did you have any opinions about him?
1: You know, as kings do, their parents die and they're left with everything, right? And Mm -hmm. uh, he knocked up his sister, which is pretty screwed up. And um, I don't know if he's a good person or a bad person. He's definitely flawed.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's actually fun. Like, I kind of found him to be one of the most interesting characters in the entire book. And I, I didn't really pick up on this until the second listen in that like when he's introduced he kind of really digs in on the 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 whole cliched like king who's there and, and treating everybody like garbage and he's the most important person in the room. But then when he gets one on one with Geralt like he uh he totally changes. Like his character just basically becomes like that of a uh, of a loving father who's just concerned for his daughter, yeah. and that kind of really hit me. Like, I, I it, it, when I, re- I was, it, it just felt a lot deeper than you normally get from that type of character. Mm-hmm. And it, it, there was just so much like regret and kind of not not necessarily remorse, but w- it, when he's sitting there asking him, you know, uh, is it my fault, you know, with what I did with my sister? There's like so much regret and guilt there that you wouldn't normally get from the king that it it was kind of touching it was one of my favorite points in the actual book and it's not something i picked up on until you know I, i gave it a little bit more attention
1: i like that we get things from his point of view like you completely understand where he's coming from but also you can see things from the townspeople being that like I think they said that at least 50 people are killed a year by the Striga so you can understand <laughs> yeah. why yeah we sympathize with you a little bit King but we really need to get rid of this thing it's killing yeah, exactly. people every year
0: is is, is Striga a, a new term like have you ever heard of that anywhere in any of the fantasy stuff that you've I don't that think you so. experienced I don't think so no so what it's it's basically a vampire but it's it It
1: sounds like it's just some kind of like a grotesque deformity like real long dragging claws on the ground with a mouth full of razor sharp teeth but it still has her red hair kind of it it's kind of messed up it's just some kind of weird beastly thing Yeah
0: I feel very bad for the kid afterwards <laughs> you yeah. know but well, anyway I'm jumping ahead
1: I like the bit where uh Geralt is just waiting, laying in wait, and he can hear really well because of his elixirs, and he hears Austrit running, but he hears him stop, and then he hears him basically get eaten.
0: <laughs> he's yeah, like, exactly. he did it. <laughs> that, was, that was great. And that, Austrit, that whole fight was, it was a lot of fun.
1: I should mention that Austrit kind of confesses. Like, as he's laying there tied up, he's like, I will tell you nothing more. Well, okay, I've think i might be responsible for this
0: <laughs> yeah. it's funny how everybody is is kind of taking blame for yeah. for the whole thing you know they're all worried that they're the cause of it he which uh...
1: he was in love with the pr- princess the king's sister and when they basically hooked up and had a baby he apparently wished them ill will and he basically You know, he says he didn't out, he has no abilities, he has no magic, but he did curse their name. Maybe he's the cause of it. Yeah. I don't know how things work in this world, but maybe that did cause it. I don't know. Yeah, I don't don't know if it was that
0: or if it was uh, somebody, I forget who said it, said it might have been the mother. Who was the one? You know, when she found out what happened, she's the one that cursed. Right, right. The child yeah. seems kind of of a, a mean thing to do to your granddaughter. But yeah. hey, you know, I'm not, I'm not royalty. I don't know how all that works. So,
1: what's cool when the uh, the Witcher uh, he kind of explains to the king that in order to reverse the curse, you have to sleep in the crypt with the creature overnight. Mm -hmm. and i thought that was really cool like he has answers about like yes i've dealt with strigas before like he's like oh these things happen in this world you know
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah it's funny when when i first read that i thought that it that when it said the 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 third cock I thought that meant that he had to stay there for three nights.
1: So did I, and, and so I was like, "Oh man, this is this is like, going to be a... this is going to be a long stretch here."
0: Yeah, he's going to need more foppish, uh, annoying lords <laughs> as bait. But <laughs> but when it, turns when out it was he, the first night, yeah, it was, he it was, just uh, needed
1: it to crow three times in the same morning. So
0: got it. What if you had a rooster that only crows twice? That's it's like, come on, you know.
1: third time. <laughs> yeah exactly what i thought was cool is in the fight they kind of reveal that uh he has these signs that he does with his hands that do these spells and i i tried to look up what they were because i know we read uh a few times he did the sign of quinn remember that one yeah and he also did the sign of ard Uh, the sign of quinn is a protective shield like he shields himself and the sign of ard is like a telekinetic blast towards something to knock something back and there's also other signs but i'm not sure if they mentioned any other signs in this book i'm sure they reveal more in the later books you know
0: yeah i always love that's one of my favorite things about fantasy books is or when you get into that world and you kind of figure out how they're handling magic you know Mm uh and, and him having limited power having powers but it being limited and it also him having to do these hand motions and everything and really kind of finding out that he's a magical character but that's not really his specialty Right, I just I geek out on all that kind of he, stuff. I love almost it.
1: Almost like little uh, de- devices he has in case he needs to use them. Another yeah. one is he, you know, he wears his medallion around his neck that like quivers and kind of shakes whenever he's around magic. Like he can sense magic is nearby or somebody's going to weave a spell. It like warns him. It's almost like a Spidey sense, isn't it?
0: I was just going to say, it's like a Spidey sense medical alert bracelet. (laughs) You (laughs) know, that he's (laughs) got. So yeah, I I think that's, that's pretty awesome.
1: One thing I thought was cool when he encounters the Striga is he mirrors its rage back at it where he scares it. And I thought so the, that's
0: what happened. I was kind of confused as to how he got it to be scared away. Basically, uh,
1: he absorbed all of its anger and everything and like reflected it back on itself where it was like, ar, ar, I guess.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that would be like a great customer service tool if you could would, do that in real life.
1: I would love to be able to do that. <laughs> so basically he, you know, he fights and tussles with the Striga. And uh, you know he wraps it in the silver chain. That's another thing. You know he has silver. We know that we. I think we learn in this chapter that silver is what weakens monsters. But yeah, th- we talk. Th- we learn more about his swords later on, though.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't want to get into too much of that. But, but yeah, he,
1: he gets into the crypt after he basically cripples it, and he drinks a sleeping potion. And then sets like a um, the uh, hourglass on his chest to wake him up. And when he awakes, it's a, just a naked little girl there.
0: Yeah, I have a feeling it, I would have a tough time sleeping. <laughs> you know, I, that was one of the things I thought was kind of interesting that he decided to just kind of take a nap <laughs> at that point. I guess he safe. knew...
1: I think the crypt over, I he slept in the crypt of the mother. And I guess the thing is so heavy. Maybe he thought he was uh. safe there. That's what I assume. Like he knew, he knew he was safe. So he was taking a sleeping potion. Maybe it couldn't hear a heartbeat or something. I don't know, but gotcha. Uh, when he wakes up, she's looks like a little girl. When he approaches her, she, her, I guess her hands are still claws and swipes them really good. And he's like bleeding profusely. And he, uh, like, grabs her by the neck with his teeth and, like, grips her. Like, he's biting down until she uh, submits and uh, turns back into a little girl completely, I guess.
0: So that, yeah, that was a little bit confusing for me as well. This fight kind of, it, it did confuse me a bit in that I just wasn't quite sure how it ended, you know? Yeah. Um Or the The reasoning behind how it ended. I I guess I was a little bit confused as to why him biting down, like why he would make that choice.
1: I think, well, he was bleeding profusely and he just did what he could until it became a little girl. I think she was a little girl, but she still had some striga in her and was fighting back. But he had her in like this position of helplessness Remember, he was holding mm-hmm. her hands her by the wrists, and he's got her by the throat with his mouth, just basically pinning her down until finally she gave up. Gotcha. Is what I believe. And I think the when he mirrored his rage back at her, he scared the Striga into hiding, like, for the rest of the night. So I think I that's how he knew he was safe. And well, it
0: seems like this is the type of uh, monster he faces kind of on a regular basis,
1: yeah, like they even talk. Have you ever dealt with a striga? And he's like, "Yes." Yeah. You know, wow. like, oh yeah, that's on my list. Rats, snakes. Strigas. Well, that,
0: that's one thing that we didn't touch on before. Like the the cool thing is, is he's so uh, like capable and so you know calculated and everything like that, but he's also so down on his luck. <laughs> like It's just such an interesting contrast between you have this person who is like the best at his field, but his field is not really necessary uh, like it used to be anymore. So he's just kind of getting by living yeah. paycheck to paycheck, which I think is awesome.
1: Yeah, uh, that I love that where it kind of talks about it later, how even, you know, he'll hear about some creature, but it turns out it's just somebody making it up. They're kind of just... <laughs> yeah. All right. So, I guess like at the he has a mortal wound in his neck and he wakes up at the uh, Neneke's home. How do they say her name in the audiobook? Uh Neneka. in the temple of Malitela. Melitola. Melitola. Damn, I'm never yeah. going to get that.
0: <laughs> I get not I, I understand. And I don't even know if the way the guy that was uh, you know doing the audiobook really has it yeah, the way just, it's supposed to be
1: dude just wing it <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah exactly
1: yeah we'll get to that later he says one character's name the way i wasn't saying it and i almost like was ready to like call the guy up and go i think you're saying this name wrong." <laughs> but uh nenek neneka she's pretty pissed at him because she's like you're you know are you getting old are you losing your your reflexes there's no way you should have gotten this wound from a striga. it's embarrassing and uh she wants to do a reading or she wants to do a trance with uh yola right who, yeah who just woke him in bed with him and he, she's like out yola out and he's like wait i want to talk to her it's like she she doesn't talk she's taking a, an oath where she's silent And he's like oh that's interesting yeah, it seems
0: like she... Um, I, uh, apparently, I guess they kind of had to sleep together in order for them to like gain physical contact and emotional contact for yeah, them to be like, able to do the trance.
1: And he's uh, like, don't yell at her, don't be mean to her for this. And she goes, what? She's free to do that if she wants to. We're not like that kind of uh, strict around here.
0: It's just like, yeah, oh, okay. but it, it seems like through that whole act... Or whatever, he kind of—it's—it's—it um, it, almost feels like he kind of has some sort of connection with her. Like he kind of uh, emotionally bonds to her a little bit. Like yeah. he, he's, so, he's somebody like she kind of comes into his bed as a surprise, but after that, he's not. It doesn't seem like he's really used to just doing one night stands or whatever. Like he—he he seems to be kind of wanting a little bit more from her. You know, not necessarily a relationship, but he wants to have more of a connection with her.
1: Well, I think it even describes her as like a nymph when she's in bed with him, like her dark eyes. She looked like a nymph. And when he wakes up and sees that she's like this freckled pale girl, he's almost kind of like he's taken aback by it. And then he feels guilty for thinking like like he's a little disappointed. Mm-hmm. she's not what he imagined she was and he yeah. then feels instantly guilty and then kind of there's the first merch uh mention of yennefer there where he's basically for a moment she kind of reminded him of yennefer but then he kind of mm-hmm. puts it out of his mind immediately which i thought was, yeah
0: that that whole part like the the hinting towards yennefer and like really kind of helped through the second listen to go back and and see what they were talking because I knew there was somebody I was actually when I first uh, listened to it I was thinking Yola and Yennefer were like the same person you know for some reason like I I, I don't I don't know why uh, yeah. but in my mind I w- so I was thinking gosh she has much more of a connection to this Yola girl than than I, I had thought initially but yeah I, it was just me uh, I think not picking up on things way-
1: in a roundabout way, it's basically saying that sleeping with that girl, he just wanted her to be Yennefer the whole time.
0: Basically, that's kind of what the vibe I picked up on and it. And then he also. felt
1: guilty thinking that afterwards. <laughs> he felt bad. <laughs> yeah. What's funny exactly. is these... Uh, I, it sets up the next story, A Grain of Truth. But first, uh, I don't... Remember these two knights show up? The, they're the Order of the White Rose. Count Falwick and Sir Talus... I think is his name, or Talies? I don't know how you say his name.
0: I, I think it was Talos. Yeah, I, I'm they, not quite remembering.
1: They hear that Geralt, the Butcher of Blaviken, is there, and they, they're ordering him by Prince of Ellender to get Geralt out of there. And they're like, you have to leave immediately. And Nenica's like, no, 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 no. this is my house, and he doesn't have to do anything he doesn't want to. And the one of the, the younger guy, Talus, he's just like really arrogant and young and overly, uh, wants to kind of, you know, throw his weight around. And the other guy is like trying to chill him out, but he's basically talking back to Nenica oh. and, uh, finally Geralt basically when he starts insulting Nenica, cause she's like, you know, this is my temple and I don't have to do anything you say. Uh, that guy Talos starts to get pissed And he starts to draw a sword. And I love this part. Geralt says, If he draws his sword, I'll take it from him and beat the snotty-nosed little brat's arse with the flat of his blade. And then I'll batter the door down with him. (laughs) And so Talos begins shaking. And he pulled an iron gauntlet from his belt and then throws it to the ground. And then Neneca says... You dropped something, son. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What
0: What are your impressions of Neneka? Like, what What did you think of her?
1: She's a, like a cool kind of like mother figure. Like, she seems to be worried about his well being, but also she's got a lot. Of, she's a spitfire, you know. She uh, says he's full of nonsense and stuff like that. And uh, I think she's quite a character. She She makes uh, an impression right away.
0: She was also one of the, the characters that I, I in, enjoyed the most. I think. Um, mm-hmm. Just because, like, when you're looking at, like, the voice of reason, right, she basically, I think, is the voice of reason throughout all of these things. She's the one that's trying to get him to uh, she wants she basically wants him to kind of go down the right path, even though they're diametrically opposed to each other uh, in terms of, like, their beliefs. He has so much respect for her, even though he doesn't really believe in anything that she believes in, which I thought was kind of cool. You know, like I most of the times in these books, a religious figure is kind of thought of as like the villain a lot of times. And it was it was kind of refreshing to get one that actually is respected by the main character, um, even though he doesn't agree with like her worldview at all.
1: Right. And she even says she doesn't care what he believes in like she doesn't judge him on that and he doesn't judge yeah. her and i i think they describe it as a cult like a worldwide cult <laughs> yeah. that she's a part of their religion and it basically uh later on uh they describe it it's because basically what the the temple does is it produces women who deliver babies throughout the land so how can you not be a uh, need these people because you need them to deliver your children or to cure Uh, The fact that you can't have babies, they help you with that, like with uh, spells or whatever. It's very interesting learning in this world how magic is involved in their everyday lives. You even learn that sorcerers and sorceresses are taxed in towns (laughs) if they use magic spells and stuff. Well, that's one of my
0: favorite parts about the book is that when we have that first – the first um – conversation where we kind of get the the beginning of the world or the building of the world with the uh lord i think it's lord velorad um like he gives us so much detail about like wizards and how they're all kind of like sharp thought of as charlatans and scumbags and and like you know there's just things that you don't really see in other books in terms of like the way that wizards are viewed or he says that whole thing about like uh when, when they were going after the strigger, I'm sorry to go back a little bit, but he, he's talking about going after the strigger and he was like, two shoemakers went after her. And he's like, why are shoemakers so stupid? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. was like, it, it just gave such a good view into like the, the way uh, this world is, you know?
1: Yeah, there was a good bit there about the different people who'd come to kill the strigger and the, if the king found out, he basically had them killed. Because <laughs> yeah, it was to capture the striga or to uh, reverse the curse, not to kill it. And so, if people came there trying to do that, then they would pay with their life, usually, or they'd be yeah. ran out of town. Now, the grain of truth. This was a really cool story, I thought, because the dialogue is so good in this. Where Geralt, he's riding Roach. We're introduced to his horse Roach. He finds uh, a man and a woman on the ground. Uh, a father and a daughter, he believes. They're corpses in a wilderness. And she has a blue rose in her hair. And then he found, finds this manor, I guess an old mansion with a blue rose bush. And as he approaches it, a beast charges him. And it's like a man-like beast wearing man's clothes. But he's like, um, did he have a boar's head, I guess? yeah i I think he had boar-like tusks but i don't know
0: if he actually had like a a boar's head
1: yeah and i love he's uh he immediately pulls his silver sword and he's standing his ground and the beast is like aren't you afraid of me he's like no and he's like oh well and that the dialogue there in the audiobook the that guy does a great job of this guy's voice doesn't he
0: Oh, man, that that guy, like I I have in my notes, uh, the acting is incredible, like throughout the entire book. Like it's it's not read like the guy acts the entire book, which I just thought was incredible. And this is one of the you're right. This is one of the best voices that he that he has. There's a a certain part at the end that I don't really want to get into too much of this story that just the acting was like it was awesome.
1: Yeah, the beast's name is Nivolin, I believe. If I'm saying that right. Uh,
0: he pronounced it Novellin. Novellin. Which that's is great a... because you're like o for 4 on, <laughs> on the names, which I, I love.
1: He it's gets good. that Novellin. is, uh, that's better. You know, it's got more body to it, you know. It does, yeah. Novellin. It
0: definitely does.
1: Novellin kind of tells the story that the house does what he says. It takes care of him. It feeds him. It clothes him. Yeah. <laughs> And I love the image of Geralt just sitting there chilling and having dinner with him I think he gets some spell wrong and he he isn't able to prepare pheasant or something he's like oh I screwed up the spell or something but they they eat food and then he tells the story about uh, his father led a gang and they were thieves and uh, eventually his father died and he was supposed to be the leader of this gang of thieves except he was terrible at it. He wasn't a leader and they sacked this, um, temple. And he said there was something oddly strange about the temple evil about it. This, uh, basically they had their way. They're raping and pillaging. And, uh, this woman, was she a witch? Yeah, I think she was a witch. She cursed him. And, uh,
0: I believe she was the priestess of the temple.
1: Yeah, she was the priestess. And basically they were raping her. It's pretty terrible. And she basically cursed him. And when he got home and he woke up, he had the body of a uh, beast.
0: Yeah, he basically, they they were taking uh, him there to become a man. uh, Because he was going to start leading the gang and they wanted him to become a man. And so he rapes this woman. And she says, basically, you're a beast on the inside. Now you're going to be a beast on the outside. And curses him.
1: Right. And what I think is interesting as he's telling Geralt this, Geralt, ha- ha- Geralt has questions about, uh, you know, when did, you know, how did this happen or whatever. He wants, he's kind of piecing together if this is a curse and if it can be reversed somehow. Like he's thinks, you know, I love that he's always thinking about things. It seems like, and he tells the story about how everyone left him and he was there alone until one day a man showed up and uh, I think he frightened them off and he said uh, he said something about leave your daughter or something but they ran mm-hmm. away and uh, the next day a man came up came with his daughter oh okay I remember he he uh, basically threatens a man and his daughter and he says leave your daughter or something and they ran away and he felt so bad he uh called after him and he gave him some gold. So that guy left and went back to town saying he got some gold from this guy. So the next day, another guy shows up with his daughter saying, hey, I will loan you my daughter for some <laughs> gold. And so they make an agreement that she will stay with him for a year. And this was very Beauty and the Beast, wasn't it? Well, that's what I was going to ask you
0: about. At what point did you start getting the major Beauty and the Beast vibes from the I got the Beauty and the Beast
1: vibe from the house doing what yeah. he said like there weren't talking candlesticks or anything but <laughs> yeah it made me go wait a second here something so some kind of familiar here well it's funny because
0: like i said about my uh, initial impressions of stuff being wrong like when i when i first did i thought that like he was ripping it off like i i was oh, like yeah. well this is just a little too much like beauty and the beast and then as you go along you're like oh, he's, he's doing this on purpose. Like he's, you know, it's, it's uh, all like the main part of the story and the world, apparently.
1: Right. And uh, you think it's going one way, but it kind of goes another. If bell turned out to be a strange singing vampire monster, maybe it would be. (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
0: Well, that's the whole thing that I'm talking about. Why I like this book so much about it playing on cliche and what you're expecting. Like, I, I was not expecting the uh, Beauty and the Beast story to basically be turned on its head and, and kind of made a little more interesting and a little more like devastating. Uh, I, I yeah, I, I dug it. This at this point, like when I kind of realized what he was doing, I I started to love this book and kind of uh, just know that I was going to really enjoy this entire series and was and was very happy with you, Jason, to t- for suggesting it.
1: Um, You know, I was happy, too, because I I didn't know. You know, it's kind of like when you hear something's translated from another language, you're like, oh, man, this could be bad. This could be, like, translated poorly or something, and you might be able to tell and just kind of have to fight through it. But I never got that feeling at all.
0: No, not at all. I was actually kind of surprised when I read in Wikipedia that it was like a Polish book. Because in my mind, I'm very ignorant, you know? And I just think, like, if it's not American or English, which is, like, really the only stuff I've ever been exposed to, it's just not going to be at all the same (laughs) as I'm used to. And this was, like, exactly the same. Are the sentences
1: going to be all stilted or something?
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like, it's all going to be about stuff that I'm just not, like, familiar with. But this is, like, it really goes to show you that people are pretty much the same everywhere. But, uh... Yeah, it was, uh, it was really cool.
1: What I think's interesting is Novellin says that, uh, eventually some of the daughter, you know, the women that would stay with him, uh, they would have, start to get feelings for him and they would actually have, they would have sex and he would be the next day he would be like, he would run to the mirror to see if that transformed him back. Like his curse was over by finding a woman who loved him, you know? But that wasn't it, and he just stayed the same.
0: But then, well, he also he gets to the point where he doesn't really want to change. He yeah. kind of likes the, the the person he's become, even if he is a beast. You know? Yeah,
1: he says like I have this strength and so much energy, and look, I can bite the leg off a chair. But I need to stop doing that because there's not as many. Chairs. <laughs> I'm running
0: out of chairs. Yeah, I awesome. thought that
1: was pretty funny. And eventually, uh, you know, Geralt keeps asking him questions about, well, I can tell you're not here alone. There's someone here. And he kind of gets defensive there. Like, uh, you don't need to be asking about her or whatever. And he kind of... I guess he kind of uh, mentions that he's been having terrible nightmares lately where he's like a beast, you know? It's just these horrifying nightmares and... Geralt warns him that that could be that his beastly nature might be taking over eventually and he's going to lose his kind of human thinking. Mm -hmm.
0: Well, yeah, like it's funny because that plays on the whole idea. You remember when you watched Beauty and the Beast for the first time or did you've watched Beauty and the Beast, of course, back then, like people were kind of disappointed when he like changed from the like everybody kind of was attached to the beast idea yeah. you know like people kind of wanted him to stay the beast instead of prince whatever his name was i, for, I forget what it was and, and i think that's kind of fun that he played on the idea of like well i don't really want to change i kind of like who i am but it, it is those nightmares that you were talking about that's kind of like you know it being the the point of no return for him
1: right and uh gerald leaves I keep saying uh Geralt.
0: Geralt, Geralt yeah, that's how he, he says it in the uh in the narration. Uh
1: he kind of like stops on some upon some mushrooms and uh, uh, Roach is acting weird. And uh when uh he realizes that uh, Roach acted strangely before and he returns to the mansion and that's where the girl is sitting on top of this dolphin kind of fountain thing. And yeah. I kind of had to go back and read that. Like, okay, what tipped him off that something was weird? I, yeah, exactly. I was going to ask you about that
0: because I wasn't sure what part, um, like how we put two and two together there. I, I, I thought maybe I just missed something, but it sounds like you kind of felt the same way. Right.
1: Well, it was like, remember, he sees the girl, after he finds the dead bodies, he's kind of riding with Roach and then he sees a girl there and he kind of waves to her, but she doesn't respond. And then she disappears. Uh, and Roach is acting kind of getting upset and he has to do the spell to calm Roach uh-huh. over, over the horse's head to calm. So it'll proceed. And then he realizes that later on, like at the house, Roach kind of acts kind of like that too. Maybe he puts two and two together that, whatever's killing these people is actually the same thing staying at the house, maybe? I don't know. Well, he he
0: says earlier, like, Nivellen says, like, oh, he, he likes me. Most animals like me. And right. for some reason, that line was connected to... It, it's what uh, Geralt uses to kind of put two and two together, but I, I just didn't get it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't understand how he was putting two and two together there.
1: Yeah, I think it's just telling us that a roach can sense this, uh, creature and is afraid. Uh-huh. And so that kind of tips him off that he needs to go back, that he's not that, um, Nivellen, Nivellen, is not in love with a woman. He's in love with a creature, you know? Yeah. And I think he even kind of, they kind of talk about her and he suspects that it's, something else some kind of like water nymph creature or something that because they like animals or beasts or something and they kind of just dismiss it but then he starts thinking about it and he realizes that uh it's something else so when he goes to uh goes back and sees it's her name is Verena, and i think he asks her he goes are you a this i lost that part in the book man i thought i saved that i was gonna do you remember that
0: part he's like oh yeah he lists off a whole bunch of things that she could potentially be
1: yeah and she's just like kind of doing this creepy kind of like song she's (laughs) humming. yeah very creepy but he eventually realizes she's a bruxa which is a vampire but it's a vampire with telepathic abilities. <laughs> and yeah. I, this bit of writing here where he was fighting her was really cool.
0: It was, yeah. Definitely. Like
1: he's, he's doing the signs and he's dodging out of the way just in time. You know, she gets him a couple of times and hits him and cuts him. And uh, she actually gets the drop on him. And it's not until Novellan kind of comes up behind her and like stabs her with a pole. Like impales her, you know, and it's kind of like creeping towards him. I, the way I imagine it is like, she's sliding down the pole, like as it's going through her body to get closer to the and basically tells him that she loves him.
0: Yeah. Which is, is crazy. You don't really, um, I wasn't really expecting that, that whole idea of, of the vampire actually falling in love with the, the creature that she's, uh, you know, feeding off of right um,
1: and uh Geralt finally gets the killing blow it doesn't he chop her head off i think yeah and yeah. that breaks the curse and it turns Novellen back into a human
0: did you listen to the part where he tur- like where he turns back into a human did you get that far
1: uh no i didn't hear that part
0: that part right that that's the part that i kind of teased before was amazing the way the the narrator did it he like he, he started out slurring his speech like he had tusks. And as he was talking through the lines, kind of cleared his voice up throughout uh. the, the thing to where he then started just talking normally. And it was like you could almost see the transformation taking place in just the way the guy's voice was. It was really neat, like, the, the way the guy did it.
1: Yeah, he's doing a performance. He's not just reading the book. He's performing, which is awesome. And a
0: lot of times, like, that... Like, Sometimes that gets old, you know. Like sometimes yeah. it really depends that the uh, on the person who's doing the narration. They have to be a really good actor, or that just kind of uh, eventually gets uh, irritating. But he, yeah, he he, he crushed it.
1: <laughs> so basically, the curse was that Nivellen could only break the curse if he killed a creature. Uh, he killed someone who loved him. Like, someone who loved him would have to die to break the curse, and that's basically what happened. And luckily, she was a vampire. (laughs) Yeah, everything works out great in the end. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, what is it about the Nivellen? Is he a good guy or a bad guy? I don't know. He seemed to have done something really bad, but it's kind of like... Yeah, I think he was just kind of...
0: Like, before, he was a bad guy. He wasn't even necessarily a bad guy. He was a weak guy. He was talking about how... You know, he just kind of went along with uh, what the the gang members wanted him to do. He he was uh, he had rotten teeth. He just was always getting sick. He was just kind of um, just a very weak physically and weak minded person. And through going this through this whole transformation and living as the beast, kind of. Redeemed himself a little bit and actually became more hu became more human as the beast, Jason.
1: Oh, yeah, I like that.
0: Yeah, very deep.
1: <laughs> nice. Uh, there's an interesting chapter. Uh, you know, after this uh, story, then it goes back to the voice of reason, where there's a part where um, it's just Geralt and he's saying, "Let's talk, Yola." and he's doing all the talking and she doesn't say anything so he's telling her about himself and he basically says uh that i carry two swords one iron and one silver silver for the monsters but also i could use the iron for certain creatures too but um he said that i carry two every witcher does It's said spitefully the silver one is for monsters and the iron for humans But that's wrong, and there are monsters which can be struck down only with a silver blade. So are those for whom iron is lethal, and Yola, not just any iron, it must come from a meteorite. What is a meteorite, you ask? (laughs) And he tells her what a meteorite is. And then he says that he came from Karmorin, a witcher's settlement. And it was a fortress, but not much remains of it. I I think it's cool that they, he kind of gives a little bit of backstory here. And then he says that, uh, I underwent the usual mutation there through the trial of grasses, hormones, herbs, viral infections, and then through them all again and again, and to the bitter end. Apparently I took the changes unusually. Well, I was only ill briefly. I was considered to be exceptionally resilient brat and was chosen for more complicated experiments as a result there were worse, much worse. As you see, I survived the only well, one to live out all chosen for further trials. And his hair has been white ever since. I thought that was kind of a cool backstory there.
0: Oh yeah. It's awesome. And, and what interests me is that like having not read the books, the way they were originally released, I'm wondering if that's the first time you really get uh, a glimpse into his backstory.
1: Yeah, that would be interesting. I'd like to see this place. And I mean, yeah. I—they kind of talk about it now. Like there aren't as many monsters as there, there used to be, but really, I think there are. But people are t- kind of fooling themselves. Uh, <laughs> yeah,
0: but, seems like uh, he's got no end of work. The world must have been to it.
1: really filled with monsters and horrible <laughs> things for them to say. Okay, we need to start a place where we just create guys who kill monsters.
0: Well, the the, the what I found. Um, Interesting about that whole part, part was the like early on they kind of ask him about him being human and he's kind of like, uh, well, n- not necessarily, you know, that yeah. like basically by becoming a witcher, it kind of nullifies his humanity in a way. And I just right. got, was kind of wondering why that was. And, and in this, I guess somehow in the change, like he's become something else,
1: right? He's like, uh superhuman i guess (laughs) i guess i just don't understand
0: why that wouldn't um why it would nullify him like his humanity i think immediately
1: he talks about people when they see he's a witcher a lot of people are immediately afraid or hate him so they treat Mm -hmm. him differently and he had to learn to kind of accept how people treat him and just kind of make his way through the world that way uh People's, you know, he rides from town to town and sees if anyone needs his service. He sees on the board, which are needed. A lot of times they just throw him his money and want him to leave immediately. Uh, and, uh, I think maybe the reason he kind of says I'm no longer human is because humans don't treat him like he's human anymore. You know,
0: I see. Yeah, that makes sense.
1: They kind of treat uh, him like shit.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I also love this, th- this, uh, the speech that he does with yalla where he's just basically kind of revealing how he thinks because he, when he talks about the meteor he's he's saying you know some people see this as a religious artifact or something from the gods i just see it as a piece of of stone that fell for, fell to earth and so it's really like a great glimpse into the character and kind of who we're going to be dealing with as we go throughout uh, the rest of these books
1: Right, he's like a no-nonsense guy. He's very skeptical, it seems like, even though he deals with some outrageous shit, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And he also, he keeps telling Nenica that he doesn't believe in destiny. Like, uh, there's no destiny for me. It's just, you know, I'm you know gonna do what I'm supposed to do, and that's it. But she's like, no, I don't think it's like that. And we'll do with destiny in a little bit more. The next story is The Lesser Evil, and they mentioned the butcher of Blaviken in the first chapter, I believe. Uh, the Witcher butcher of Blaviken, and they we are like, "What does that mean?" And we, this is the chapter where we find out what the butcher of Blaviken is, and it, I mean, why he's called that. And I thought it was cool because it says he rides into town with a kikimora on his horse, or he's pulling a kikimora, and it describes it as like part alligator, part spider. Sounds pretty damn gross and scary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't want to deal with a Mora. And he's trying to sell... Like, who will pay me for... I killed this. Is anybody going to give me money? And nobody wants to give him money for it. For doing it. <laughs> and they're like... Uh, he meets this guy. What is his name? Kaldemain? The Alderman. Yeah. He, he, he seems
0: Kaldemain, to like... yeah. Geralt. He takes a like... You got there. it. Wait, wait a minute. You got one. Like, exactly how he... <laughs> he, he pronounces it in the book. You did it.
1: Yes. called to me. Oh. Maybe I cheated and heard that part. In the- <laughs> <laughs> now they take him. They say maybe the town wizard would like to uh, give you money for this Kikimora. And he's like, well, I can't think of any potions or elixirs that are made from Kikimora, but okay, we'll try it out. And when he gets there, it turns out to be a wizard that he's met before and he doesn't particularly like him named Stregobor
0: yeah the String of war like that that i know i keep saying so and so is my favorite character but i i love the way he's just kind of a dirtbag yeah. <laughs> you know like he's just uh yeah he's not at all what you'd expect a wizard to be like he's just kind of like a um not not necessarily a con artist because he has powers but he's just uh, a very scummy individual he
1: doesn't seem to have much empathy
0: no not at all
1: and uh, it what it seems like is most towns have a town wizard who works for the king or the, he has the ear of the king and he suggests things or whatever. Uh, apparently their wizard died not long ago and Stregobor showed up and kind of took over his tower. And now he lives there. When Geralt goes inside, he made it look like this beautiful, like rainbow. And it looks like this kind of, um, I don't know what you say. Just like this paradise, right? It's like an illusion, and there's even a naked woman, like with fruit and stuff. (laughs) There's a part where he's he's like, uh, and you could even basically saying you could even sleep with that. Uh, And he's like, girl goes maybe later. (laughs) I just thought that's funny. And basically, he says that I actually need your help, Witcher. And he's like, what would you need my help for? sorcerer and he basically says that there's a monster worse than any kikimura and it's going to kill him tomorrow and he explains he talks to him about the shrike Renfrey the shrike this woman who's this it, this kind of got into some weird stuff like i had to go through this again like
0: yeah, it was very. There was a lot going on in this conversation between the two of them. What? And it's actually a lot of really important stuff, I think, yeah. when it comes to what's going on. And, and another, like, I think it's another issue of this is probably answering a lot of questions that you would have had you read the other books first. Um, so yeah. I think that's why it might have made a little bit more sense then.
1: Like, uh, he has the. You know, when they call him the Butcher of Blaviken, imagine reading that in a later book going, what, is, what happened? What happened? Yeah, exactly. So exactly. we find, you know, it's cool that we're finding out now. So when people call him that later.
0: Exa- yeah, definitely. We'll, we'll, or what we'll think know. What I
1: funny is he's famous for this. And I
0: for being kinda, the butcher of Blavica?
1: Yeah, and I have a, a an epiphany later of why he's famous for this and how it got around, and I'll tell you that when we get there. Okay. But basically, long ago, there was a uh, an eclipse, and they called it the Curse of the Black Sun, where the eclipse actually caused the women, to young girls, newly born girls, to be... Uh, part beast or something some kind of thing in their brain that caused them to be evil and Stregabor, i don't know if it was him particularly who ordered this but they were killing these these babies
0: yeah it seems like there's like a wizard council yeah that uh that that decided to do this
1: and of course Geralt thought this was all bullshit and he thought it was terrible that they were killing a bunch of babies for no reason it was just their superstition
0: well yeah because for him it was since like we've established he's a, a very skeptical um guy he just kind of saw the whole eclipse as just an eclipse it's yeah. just something that happened and these these people you know all of the justification that stregobor gives him for why uh they were doing what they were doing to these poor women like it, it all kind of ties back to this eclipse and he's just not buying it
1: Right. So it turns out like uh this uh this girl, Renfre, she was the daughter of this king who had a stepmother, and the stepmother didn't want this girl who could possibly be part demon or something, part monster, to ever gain control of the throne. So she wanted uh Stregabor to basically have her killed, right? Yeah. And so she, they have, he, I don't think, I'm trying to remember, he doesn't want to do that. She actually gets a man, like a guard or something to take her out and he's going to, he's going to rape her, but instead Renfrey stabs him in the ear. And, well, don't,
0: don't we find out about uh, the reason why they wanted to get rid of her, I believe was because of the magic mirror showing the future of the, the kingdom. I believe
1: yeah, this is, there's kind of some snow white shit here definitely yeah definitely this this story
0: was when i when i finally realized like oh hey he's playing on actual fairy tales and it's not just you know me thinking the beauty and the beast thing was a coincidence this was when i actually right. kind of got on board
1: because when renfrey gets away she ends up living with seven gnomes
0: <laughs> seven gnomes yeah
1: yeah and eventually she catches up with stregabor and he casts a spell that sur- uh encases her in crystal and buries her alive in this crystal until later on a, a prince or a king find her and dig her up. And, uh, the king, uh, I think he said he had her splayed out nude and he was going to torture her, but the son actually kills him and he frees her and she becomes his princess. It's just all this crazy stuff. But, she has sworn that she will get her revenge on Stregobor, no matter what Renfri will. Mm-hmm. And so now she's kind of like, she's royalty. She runs with these band, this band of uh, soldiers or mer- mercenaries, would you call them? Yeah. And they're in.
0: Sell swords.
1: Yeah. They're in town. They're in Blaviken to kill Stregobor. So now uh, Stragabor is like telling Geralt, please like, don't let them kill me. If you could kill her first, she's much worse than any Kiki So he's like, "Well, I'll see about this." So he, yeah,
0: I, I love how he tries to manipulate him through friendship. Like you can very clearly tell that they don't like each other, but yeah. he's like, "Hey, man, I thought you were my friend." And he's, <laughs>
1: yeah. like, he's like, "I'm not a friend. You tried to have me killed, you know." And then when he goes to town, uh, I'll have Call Domain's like, "Hey, we can't really oh. do anything." She has like this this paper from the king saying that she's free to do what she pleases as long as she doesn't break any laws or anything. We can't really do anything. So we can't kick her out of town.
0: So do you think that he knew, he obviously knew Caldermaine before uh, he he came to town, right? Yeah.
1: yeah. That's what I believe. Like he's passed through these different places. Throughout his adventures before,
0: because you could tell that Labusha, uh Caldermaine's wife, does not like him because bad stuff always happens when he comes around. Right. Um, so I, that's one of the things that I liked about this uh, this whole story was that it kind of was expanding the universe a little bit to bring in characters that like um, weren't just the ones that we were seeing uh, at Neneca or at the Temple of Melitola It actually kind of brings in like it expands the universe, like I was saying a little bit
1: yeah I think it's cool I've looked at a map and I can't make heads or tails of it but (laughs) yeah, where are all these places (laughs) but um, I love the bit where he talks to the the Renfri's men there's like this pair of twins there's this half elf guy and uh, they basically want to fight him immediately but Renfri shows up and she wants to talk to uh, Geralt and basically says that you know she just wants to kill stregabor and she'll leave town nobody has to get hurt or whatever and uh she even describes stregabor as worse than any monster also yeah. the same way he described her and, and he kind of is <laughs> like he's he's pretty horrible
0: you know when uh i, I don't want to get too far ahead of it but she brings up the whole idea of the is it the T-Dem ultimatum
1: yeah yeah, basically... Uh, or I think it's Kaldamine mentions that later. That those men were... Inv- basically, they demanded their brothers be set free from prison. They hijacked a fairy. And they said, free our brothers from prison or we'll kill these people. One at a time. So they started killing them. One at a time. And finally they gave in and gave them. But not until they killed way too many of these innocent people. And uh, the guy who was responsible for turning the men over, basically said, I tried to go with the lesser evil, uh, just freeing the men instead of seeing more people die. And they're like, well, you took way too long to do that. Yeah. You should have just opened fire on them and had some innocent people accidentally been killed, it would have been better than what you did. And that's when, after Geralt, I think he, doesn't he sleep with Renfri?
0: Yeah, she got, she shows up. It's it's very abrupt. Like they they get into this uh, argument and you know, we're talking about how he's not going to you know, basically turn Stregabor over to her and then immediately like he leaves and immediately she shows up in his bedroom and and tries to reason with him a little bit more there. Yeah, just
1: uh, she's trying to get him to like just get Stregabor out of the tower and we'll take care of the rest. You don't have to do anything else and all will be fine.
0: Well, it's it's funny because it, it, people are constantly uh, asking Geralt to, like, b- they basically view him as, like, a hired killer. And he's yeah. like, that's not what I do for a living. This is not yeah. at all my, my, my job. But everybody just wants him to basically be an assassin.
1: I, he even kind of questions her, like, to see if maybe she's got some kind of curse or monster in her. And she's like, well, I have done monstrous things, but... She doesn't seem like she's outright evil or anything. She she seems human, right?
0: Well, she seems like she's had just, like, the worst road ever to yeah. get to where she's at. I mean, she it, it wasn't her fault that she had the, the ability to have premonitions or whatever. And, and is just treated horribly by her stepmother and then the huntsman And, uh, you know, it, 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 they even kind of alluded to the idea that she had to sleep with the gnomes, I believe. So she's right, just kind of had...
1: About, like, when she wouldn't sleep with her husband, he would beat her into submission, basically. It was just really terrible stuff.
0: Yeah, so, like, she she does definitely seem like a bit of a monster in her actions now, but you can see well why she operates the way that she does.
1: Right, and so there's this festival that's going to happen the next day, and that's when they're going to kill Stregobor. And Geralt figures out, because of the ultimatum story, that they're going to actually start killing people at the festival until Stregobor leaves his tower. And then, uh, but Geralt realizes that Stregobor is never going to leave his never tower. Never going to leave his Yeah, exactly. He doesn't care. He doesn't care, so he needs to go just stop them. And that's when, basically, he kills each of them, one at a time, and then eventually has to kill Renfrey. So
0: that's why he became the butcher of Blaviken, right? Because the way it looked was that he killed all these people completely unprovoked.
1: I guess. Yeah, I guess the townspeople were there for a festival. He shows up and he just starts murdering these guys. Then fights a woman to the death, kills her. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. They start throwing rocks at him, and they're like, they want they tell him to leave until Kaldmain tells him to stop, and then he says, "Don't ever come back here again." But not- well,
0: and we, we, we kind of skipped over the whole idea that uh that Renfri saw all this happening and that he was gonna have to make a choice between her and Stregobor. and he right. and he wouldn't know which was the right choice. You remember that part where she yes. she has yeah. the vision of him like and the flagstones are covered in blood and and he, he won't know which one one to choose and he'll never know if you made the right choice. Uh right. And that choice that they're talking about is like, was she basically saying that she would love him if he, uh, if he chose her?
1: I think so. Because I think at that moment, I, he does feel like he's not sure he made the right choice at all. And Stregobor comes out and he's like, "Oh, I need to perform an autopsy. Just to <laughs> yeah, exactly. that I was always right about her. And he's like, don't touch her.
0: Yeah. And uh... I think, um, I don't know, that that, that whole thing, like, it, it's interesting because it kind of plays into, I don't want to get into the Yennefer stuff at all uh, yet, but, like, it, it kind of plays into his decision ultimately with what he did with Yennefer at the end. Um, just kind of this whole idea of him maybe finding somebody that actually loved him, you know, or somebody he could love, uh, but... Him choosing not to, him choosing to to, to kill her instead, is uh, I don't know. It's it, it's it kind of plays on the main theme of the entire book a little bit, in that all of these stories are are stories of kind of perverted love. Yeah. Um You know, I don't know. It, it's it's well, I, I haven't completely worked all that out in my mind yet as to what all that means, but the, I know there's definitely a connection there.
1: There, uh, Stragabor even talks about evil and like the lesser evil or the the worst kind of evil and uh, Geralt's just like it's just evil there's no like better or worse kind it's just evil but I wonder if like he after this moment he's just like uh, maybe he chose the wrong thing and
0: <laughs> yeah definitely he, he should- I think he did I mean <laughs> but he, he he didn't really have a choice I mean they're they're there, like, he comes down the, the street to try to protect everyone. They shoot a crossbow at him, yeah. and then he
1: goes into fighting mode. And, I do. you know, like... Whenever there's any action, he seems to handle himself very well.
0: Yeah, I love how, how when he, he's fighting those guys, it talks about him basically circling them, you know, and getting a little bit closer every time he circles them until one of them kind of breaks formation, yeah. and he's able to slaughter them one by one. It was, uh, yeah, I love the way he handles himself in fights.
1: <clears throat> now the next story a question of price uh it begins with Geralt with a razor to his throat where he's getting shaved and he's taking a bath in Sintra and he's the guest of Queen Calanthe
0: yeah that's pretty close Calanthe, Calanthe?
1: okay that sounds good she's the lioness of Sintra and she needs him there, but he has no idea why. And he's kind of annoyed. Like she better not have me here to kill somebody. Cause that's not what I do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I love the, I forget the guy's name, but he's like the assistant guy. He's like, come on this way. We need you in here. And he's like, wait, why am I here? And, but basically, uh, the queen's daughter is 15 kind of gross that she's being shopped to suitors of, uh, but that's the way it is at this time, right?
0: Hey, it's a completely different world, right? <laughs> yeah. You can't judge.
1: I love that there's a guy named Mouthsack. first of all.
0: <laughs> Mouthsack, yeah.
1: And he's uh, apparently, he's got some abilities. Is he a wizard or is he just... I think
0: he's a druid.
1: Oh, okay. And he's got an eye on uh, Geralt, you know, just kind of eyeing him the whole time. And he's, uh, so Geralt is there at, at the table with these men these loud guys and they have crazy names like I this part this chapter I was like dude these names are killing me man there's the
0: yeah the, the, the crack and crete I thought that was two people for the longest time yeah. I thought it was like one guy like twins like one guy named crack and another one named crete but <laughs> yeah. apparently that's one dude and I did not pick Kukudak. up on that <laughs> yeah
1: K- and, uh... yeah
0: K- uh, yeah, cuckoo duck or something like that.
1: So uh, she's uh, she's invited uh, Lord Ravix of Fourhorn and all these guys, and uh, they're there to meet the princess. And Geralt's kind of like he seems kind of impatient too, and he's kind of questioning the queen. She's getting pretty annoyed with him at the same time.
0: Well, he's not giving her the the respect that she's used to. You know, she's used to basically people succumbing to her every whim, and he's just not that type of person at all. And she doesn't necessarily like it all that much. She also
1: seems very demanding, too.
0: Yes, incredibly demanding. Kind of hard to live with.
1: And he also notices his sword is kind of hidden behind her chair, like like strapped to the back of it. And he's like, this is interesting. She has me here to kill someone. I just know it. Well, what we figure out is that she knows that something's going to happen, and that long ago, her husband, his life was saved by this man. And I think the law of surprise is very interesting.
0: Yeah, very, very interesting. Kind of hard to get at first.
1: And um, basically, when you save somebody's life, you and you're owed something by the band i owe you my life what can i give you and it's like you need to give me what you were not expecting when you arrive home that's what you owe me or whatever so the king rogner calanthe's husband he arrived home to see that she had given birth to their daughter so he was surprised so he owes this man his daughter which is really messed up
0: so here's a question that i was wondering maybe if you could under if you understood it a little better than i did did he ask that request to invoke the law of surprise or he just kind of asked for a very random thing
1: like hey we got a new stereo damn i gotta give this to this guy <laughs> yeah, exactly i thought the yeah. same thing like hey check this out new HDTV, yeah, like a- <laughs> tv man
0: <laughs> yeah you get there and it's like oh man we got all new dishes like oh i guess i gotta give these to that dude here's your dishes bro <laughs> yeah yeah like, same thing. yeah.
1: like how did you not know your wife was pregnant dude come on it takes nine yeah, she, months
0: exactly well she said like uh, well that's the thing is maybe he did know like the the king did know uh, i i don't want to get into it because i don't want to spoil your explanation but um
1: he was just surprised yeah. that she'd given birth while he was gone
0: <laughs> exactly like, apparently, he couldn't count to nine.
1: And couldn't you lie about it? Like, hey, yeah, we got this table, so here you go. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly. Like, no, 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 didn't your <laughs> 15, wife just give her? here's,
0: here's this 15-year-old
1: table we got you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: enjoy. <laughs> it was a gift my wife got me for coming home.
1: Yeah, I love this guy shows up in armor. First of all, there's all this great conversation going on. She, uh, the queen wants her to marry this guy of Skellige to kind of have like a, to unite and be at peace with them. So they kind of protect them and Cintra kind of a thing. And so what you figure out, the reason she wants Geralt there is because she knows this dude's going to show up and claim her daughter. And I think she wanted Geralt to basically kill him, didn't she? Yeah. She has, she gets whatever she wants and she's not going to let this stranger take her daughter, which I, I don't blame her like no
0: definitely
1: not uh, she even is like do i not get any say in this or does my husband he you know because of what he did like i have to give up my daughter now and he's like i'm sorry so when she says i'm not going to do it the men at the table were like whoa 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 hey if we can't hold you to your word for this how can we trust you in anything else so she realized she's kind of pressured into doing to to doing it right
0: Yeah, pretty much. Because if she doesn't do it, it's going to basically destroy her word as as queen.
1: Like, you can't hold her to her word. She wouldn't even give her daughter to this guy. And her husband promised him. So she realizes, like... And then Geralt says, well, actually, there's a, a little stipulation here in this law of surprise. And that is she must go willingly. And she's like, oh, okay. So she asked her daughter, would you be willing to go with this man? And she's like, yes. And she's like, what?
0: (laughs) Well, that's that's one of the reasons why what I was talking about before with the king maybe possibly knowing about it, about the whole law of surprise thing. Because she was saying that she figured that the daughter would never um, actually agree to it.
1: Right. And she does. Because you learn in a bit that uh, she's actually been seeing him for a while now. Now, is this a, a kind of, uh, he uh, takes his mask off early before midnight, right? Like at midnight, he turns normal, right? Is that what they're?
0: Yeah. Apparently from midnight till dawn, he, he's, he's a normal person. And then during the day he is that creature. He's like a porcupine
1: the, man.
0: Exactly. But the queen paid somebody to ring the bell a little bit early so he would take his helmet off and kind of uh, repulse her before daughter. she definitely knew a lot about this guy and what was yeah. going on so but she, she didn't know that he was coming in every night and and wooing her daughter
1: right and so when she, he takes off his mask she expects her daughter to be kind of shocked by it but she's not really because she's in love with him. apparently But that we don't, we're not supposed to know that yet because basically, when they start attacking him, what is his name, by the way? Urchin? Urchion?
0: Uh, uh, Er Erchion.
1: Erchion. When he, when the men start attacking him, she freaks out, the princess, and she releases this kind of like energy power. And what's funny is because uh, they kind of describe it as the force. But it's like a force of nature, and I was like, "Hey, George Lucas might be suing somebody here." <laughs> yeah,
0: no, they they that? didn't talk at all about Metahumans, so I think we're <laughs> yeah. I think we're okay. But
1: we're she, all right, she apparently has this pure primordial force, and
0: well, and, and it was like
1: Geralt and uh,
0: and Malsack could kind of feel it in the air, yeah, a Malsack little bit. Sack they're they're, they're like. There's some some sort of, like, static electricity going on to where they could feel something in the background that wasn't going to be well, or wasn't right. going to be good.
1: Remember, Mausak is spelling out in crumbs on the table, like, trouble, be careful kind of a thing to Geralt. Yeah. And, you know, his necklace is kind of uh, his medallion. So they know something's up. And so she's released this power. And I think, doesn't Geralt say, like, a virgin wouldn't have this kind of powers? or something. She wouldn't have Oh yeah, character. definitely. So basically I, fr- I forgot like, about that part. He's basically like, "Hey, she's had sex <laughs> or something." I thought <laughs> yeah. was interesting, but who who has she had sex with? And he figures out it must be Erkeon. And so he goes to defend him and pull guys off of him, and the, even one guy gets a good stab under his breastplate.
0: Yeah, it's it's um uh, I guess he was trying to uh kind of lessen the impact of the primordial force or get her to calm down. And the only way he was going to do that was by protecting the guy. He was there initially to supposedly kill. Uh,
1: yeah. I and think everybody, like saying...
0: other people start defending him.
1: Yeah. She kept calling him Dooney. Yeah. And it turns out that's his name, I guess. And uh, was it, was it mouse Sack who calmed her down with a spell or kind of like, chilled her out or something
0: yeah I I forget what she what he actually did Uh, I thought he like jumped on her or something like that but I I could be completely wrong there was so much going on in that story that I, I it's a little hazy as to how she stopped her primordial force
1: so basically you find out that they've actually been together for over a year now secretly and they've fallen in love and Calanthe uh has finally accepted their love and that she will allow them to get married. And I think does, is that what breaks the curse and he turns back to normal?
0: Yeah, it is. Um, because she chose to, to go with him or to, to be with him. It's kind of the only love story in this whole like series of love stories that has like a real happy ending.
1: Right. And Dooney says, you saved my life, Geralt. They were going to kill me. And he's like, uh, can we give you an award, a reward of some kind? And Calanthe, you know, is wearing this sash, and he goes, I'll take your sash. And so she gives him the sash. Like, what is he going to do with that? <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: He's like... Well, him oh, he, no. he, he asks for the sash, but she gives him some sort of, like, emerald uh, necklace instead, oh, yeah, that's I guess.
1: Right, that's right. Oh, and another thing is they talk about uh, the law of surprise, and Mouset kind of says... Geralt himself was a child of surprise, as are all witchers.
0: Did you catch that? Yeah, it it really gets into kind of um, the reason why there are so few witchers. I guess, like, the stars really have to align in order for somebody to be eligible. A child of destiny. Yeah, a child born of destiny, which is interesting because, like, Geralt kind of says that he doesn't believe in destiny. But here he's really... um, you know, his entire order is founded on the idea of, of a child being born under destiny. So, it, it kind of leads me to believe that he does believe in destiny, he just doesn't like what is supposed to happen in his future, so he doesn't want to believe
1: it. Yeah, he's in denial basically. <laughs> exactly. what it figures out, and uh, so, Dun- Dunny offers him something, and he's like, Geralt asks for that which he has but does not know, and it turns out that Pavetta is pregnant, so basically Geralt's been promised their child to raise as a Witcher. How s- screwed up is that? Yeah, yeah
0: I, I, I was expecting them to be a little bit more um, upset by that, but <laughs> he, here he is talking, you know, about oh, a Witcher is is the. Uh you know it's it's a profession to be respected it kind of changed everybody's view on what a witcher was and then he goes and asks that the the prince or princess becomes a witcher i was expecting them to be like well hold on buddy okay yeah, let's I, uh, let's slow down just a little bit
1: it felt like they were like Wait, you're pregnant? And she's like, yes. And they're like, oh,
0: <laughs> good time. And then yeah. like the scene ends, you know? Which, yeah, it was. Uh,
1: and uh, Geralt's like, well, I'll be back in five years, maybe? I don't know. Uh,
0: when?" Yeah, I, I'm, I'm wondering if one of the uh, stories in the books like touches on that oh, about I, him hopefully trying to go back or having an apprentice or something you know, like that. I it's funny. I, I was thinking about there, this. Like, <laughs> what, what's that?
1: i said i already know some spoilers there
0: oh no okay it's funny because i was thinking about recording this uh this podcast like i have so many theories in my head of like what could potentially happen but i don't want to come off like uh you remember the lost theories that everybody had oh yeah you know where it was like oh one of my favorites that you were talking about was nanobots you know?
1: Yep, it's nanobots. <laughs> it's,
0: yeah. When you go back and like after you actually know what's going on, you sound so stupid, yeah. but like I've got so many theories of what it could be, I just don't want to you know, listen back to this and be like, Oh, you're such an idiot.
1: Well that's cool that you're not spoiled because I I kind of you know, in a roundabout way am spoiled. How know? did you get spoiled? Uh the the Netflix trailer, uh oh, the yeah. games kind of just knowing a little bit characters, names and stuff like that here and there. I've kind of pieced it together. You know what I'm
0: saying? Gotcha. But see, they're all theories, you know? (laughs)
1: Yeah. I thought that was an interesting story there and we got to learn the law of surprise and that's how things work in this world apparently, which is kind of screwed, screwed up, man.
0: Yeah. It's, it's a, uh, it's a, like I said, it's one of the stories that actually ended up kind of hopeful you know, and and, yeah. and 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 good, which was you know a, a bit of a departure from the ones that we we um, read before, but you know I liked it.
1: The fact that the queen is like, okay, I accept him, you love him, and I was just like, oh wow, okay,
0: yeah. Yeah, she seemed to kind of turn on a dime a little bit but you know when you're when your daughter is has the ability to launch a table in the air I don't think it gives you very many options oh that is
1: another thing that we should take from this that the daughter is very powerful in the uh, force of nature or whatever well and she she
0: kind of is playing into the whole thing that stregobor was talking about when it was like you know the these women that have these unnatural abilities, uh, that just kind of came out of nowhere. I think she ends up being one of those type of people, just kind of yeah. like uh, Yala is and um, Renfrey was. You yeah, think it's the same type of of uh, thing going on between all of them?
1: I don't know. Like, there are sorceresses, right? But they're not necessarily born with powers if they taught them.
0: Yeah. This seems like something different than a sorceress though. Yeah. It's like th- this person has the ability to Tell the future and have premonitions and everything like that, uh, but not necessarily like taught, you know,
1: yeah, I like that kind of that work you know force of nature. There's some kind of natural gift they're given at birth or something.
0: yeah, something. D- like I'm wondering if she was one because they all seem roughly, well, no because uh, I was thinking that it w- had to do with the eclipse that Shrege boy was talking about, but this princess Pavetta or whatever, it was much younger than Renfrey. If I'm correct.
1: Right. right. Yeah, I don't know. I think maybe we're going to learn more later. It's nanobots, dude. (laughs) (laughs) I know. We just, we don't want to say it, but that's what it is. (laughs) It's always nanobots. Now, before we get to the edge of the world, uh, I want to say we're going to meet a character named Dandelion. Dandelion? Or, Or as the narrator of the book calls him, Dandelion. Yeah. Did you think it was Dandelion the entire time? I Yeah. As I read the book, I was like, oh, this dude's name is Dandelion. That's weird.
0: Does that, like, finding out that it's Dandelion, did it change your opinion or, not your opinion, but your perception of the character at all? Just mm-hmm. by the name or no?
1: Um, I don't know. I mean... I actually was in denial. I was like, no, it's dandelion. (laughs) I kind of like dandelion
0: Dandelion better? Like
1: like I I looked up dandelion, like what the flower it's dandelion. It's spelled the same way, but the guy decided to name him
0: dandelion. (laughs) Dandelion. Yeah, exactly. And
1: I, first of all, uh, Geralt has a best friend and his name is dandelion or dandelion. And he's a bard poet. He's he's a singer. He carries a lute and he performs songs. And now here is my kind of uh, this that kind of slapped me in the head. Was like that's why the butcher of Blaviken is known throughout the land because friggin' dandelion has been singing about him from town. Oh, that makes sense for years about the butcher of Blaviken. I bet he has a song about him yeah
0: that's true I, I didn't really think about that but it's not something that that Geralt is like very proud of though right
1: no I, not at all but uh i think even in that early story a guy accused him of liking that he had a reputation when he showed up somewhere that people were oh
0: following. yeah it's true
1: i love that uh, when Nenica doesn't really like him how did how, how did you feel
0: about him as a character? Like, what was was your opinion of him?
1: I liked him immediately, just because it, I liked that there was someone around Geralt kind of driving him crazy. I thought it was kind of like,
0: yeah. Well, he's such a departure, like in terms of personality, than than Geralt, and it, it's nice that he actually wants to be around somebody who's so light and yeah. uh, oh, and kind says, of not serious.
1: Neneke says he's the complete opposite of you, and he's like opposites attract
0: yeah and love, Yeah. exactly
1: she says your friend is here your famous poet and uh Geralt says he really is a famous poet surely you're not going to claim you've never heard his ballads I've heard them yes indeed well I don't know much about it but maybe the ability to jump from touching lyricism to obscenities so easily is a talent <laughs> never
0: <laughs> mind yeah he was a great character uh just a, kind of a um the comic relief to uh, Geralt's like stoicism uh, he, yeah a lot of fun
1: and in this story especially but he says my deepest respects venerable mother praise be the great Mel- Meliteli. how do you say it again?
0: Melitola the that great is a mouthful Melitola
1: and her priestesses the springs of virtue and wisdom and she says stop talking bullshit and don't call me mother <laughs> yeah. The very idea you could be my son fills me with horror. I just love that little <laughs> bit there. <laughs> yeah, not a big fan. Yeah, she's not a big fan of dandelion or dandelion.
0: I'm sorry. I think she'd. I think she'd like him a little more if he was dandelion.
1: <laughs> dandelion. What's funny is I looked up because I had to know this. In the the Polish books, he's known as. Yaskier or something like that. I don't know how you pronounce that either but it said it means Buttercup. Really? I think is hilarious. What if his name instead of Dandelion was Buttercup?
0: Well that like totally changes the story a little bit.
1: You know? Like I I
0: wonder if uh, Andre whatever his name is decided on what his name should be for the the American version or the English version? I don't Um, know that's kind of an interesting choice. I wonder if it was the, the translator who decided that because you could very well name him buttercup or, but cup or something yeah. like that. Bater. And it would, uh, I mean, I guess it would still work.
1: But, uh, what I had read is people were asking the producer of the show, the showrunner of the Netflix show. We've looked at the cast list and we don't see Dandelion. Please tell me he's going to be in the show. And she's like, Oh yes, yes, he's there, but we're going by his Polish name. Which is Yaskir. And they're like, Oh, okay. Got it. He's buttercup. (laughs) There you go. Yeah, exactly. So this story is called The Edge of the World, and it's about uh it starts with basically Geralt talking about the times of the Witcher coming to an end. There he can't find monsters anywhere to kill, or no one will pay him. There's a troll who's he will kill the troll at this bridge, but they're like, no, he keeps the bridge in o- working order. He makes sure everything's working properly. We need that troll there. And he's like, let me kill that dragon. Or what do you call it? A, a something's a fort tail. And they're like, yeah. no, the, the King's daughter loves him. And we need to keep him here. Everyone loves seeing him fly through the air. And he's like, okay. Well, <laughs> I,
0: I, I love, I love the part with the, uh, the troll. Cause he's like, well, I mean, you kill the troll. Who's going to fix the bridge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: It's like, we need the troll. And, uh, uh, can I just keep calling him Dandelion?
0: Oh, that's fine. I, 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 like it. I dig it.
1: So, Dandelion is like, oh, quit feeling sorry for yourself. Just become a priest or something.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like, it's like, uh, the, the times are changing. You're not really needed anymore, uh, Geralt. Like, uh, everybody's just kind of, um, they're just kind of going with the times. Now the trolls are fixing the bridges and we're loving the dragons because they're nostalgic. Uh, we don't really need you anymore.
1: Right. And as I said before, I think that, uh, people are just fooling themselves. There actually are plenty. What's funny is a lot of these stories where there's some kind of monster, there's much more than that. There's, uh, like a guy may appear to be a monster, but he's actually cursed because of some reason, you know? Or uh, there may be like these wild creatures in the woods and stuff like uh, Kikimora, which can be a nuisance. But the real monsters are people like Stregobor, who are a sorcerer yeah. that manipulates things his way and stuff. So I think that's, you know, everything. not everything's as, easy, as simple as it seems. And just like these people who say that, by the way, this bit was hilarious when... They go to the edge of the world. What was the place called? Dol Blathana? It, the edge of the world where this beautiful place where it's ripe with lots of uh, crops and harvest and everything. And it used to be elven country, but they've all moved into the hills. And they're, him and uh, Dandelion are there to you know, see if there's any creatures or whatever and they're not they're kind of dismissed and well a lot of them talk well i saw this there and this there and then uh dandelion's like see there's plenty of work here and Garal's like no there's not they're all just making this stuff up or they just heard these rumors it's all just bullshit and he's like yeah. <laughs> it's it's interesting
0: that like what's uh True, Like what's an actual creature and what's not? Because in my mind, it's like, well, you know, they all seem like they would exist in this world. But there's a a distinction between, yes, some of these exist. They're actual things I've seen and other ones are not.
1: Yeah. And I guess Geralt's been around long enough where he's gone on a few wild goose chases, you know, like there's nothing here. What the hell are these people talking about? And he says that the reason people make up stories of monsters is because they seem less monstrous themselves. The man that goes home at night drunken and beats his wife. And he tells the story of something that he's much less worse now. And Mm the lion's like, oh, I must sing a song about this. (laughs) (laughs) Until when they're riding to town and this guy comes up behind them, and he must tell them about a problem they have. And so they go to his small village, and he tells them that they're being harassed by a Diovel.
0: So it was spelled—how was it spelled in the book? Because that was one of the questions I had for you.
1: It's spelled D-E-O-V-E-L,
0: a Diovel. Okay, so, yeah, because the way uh, uh, he was pronouncing it um, was Diovel— but I wasn't sure if, like, that was just the accent the, the narrator was putting oh. on the guy, and it was just devil.
1: Well, remember, but, these people talk really weird, kind of like Yoda or something, and at one point Geralt starts talking like that, and Dandelion's like, yeah. oh, whoa, be careful, <laughs> yeah. you'll get stuck talking like that, which is hilarious. So all, all
0: of that stuff was kind of spelled out phonetically, then, the way... Yes, uh, it's like... Oh, okay, I wasn't do, sure about that or not.
1: D'Avel. Well. And I, you know immediately they're talking about a devil... And Geralt's like, there's no such thing as a devil. And he's like, no, no, it's a Diavel. And uh, Dandelion is just cracking up the entire time, just making fun of them. And uh, Geralt has to tell him to shut up several times. (laughs) (laughs) So he's like, I will investigate this Diavel. And and it's actually a hilarious uh, moment when they first go out there. And he figures out he's a Sylvan. He's like this goat man.
0: Yeah, I I think probably my favorite character. I know I've said that a lot, but uh, he he was so, um, this is not what I was expecting.
1: Yeah. And he, apparently they said that this uh, devil, he likes to steal things. He likes to play tricks and harass people. Yeah, it sounds like he's just kind of a jerk. He's annoying. He's annoying the (laughs) shit out of them, basically. Yeah, exactly. So, when they get there and they kind of approach him, he starts chucking like these BBs at them, these iron yeah. balls at their heads. He's like, I got your balls right here. <laughs> and I think it's funny because he hits uh, Dandelion and uh, Geralt and they just run away. And <laughs> they immediately yeah. feel really foolish running away from the devil man. <laughs> yeah, he's,
0: but he's like, he's not at all what you'd expect because he's just like kind of irritated and pissed off that they're there. Yeah. And, I mean, he, what he and he instead of like casting some spell, he just throws stuff at him. he's like saying
1: like bah or like yelling <laughs> at them yeah and so they go back and they're like well, uh tell us why is he so agitated and they're like well we read in this book that uh how to get rid of him and you know we replaced the blueberries with iron balls. So he'd break his teeth. And <laughs> I thought it was hilarious. Yeah.
0: That whole plan of, of, uh, you know, you give him pine tar, uh, instead of giving him cheese, like it was such a long drawn out, ridiculous plan right. that apparently didn't work, but it just it was pretty hilarious. There's
1: like this ancient book they have. It's like a monster's almanac or something. And they have an old woman who deciphers things for them. And, and, she has, like, this little young assistant who's going to take over for her, and uh, Geralt's like, interesting, may I see this book? And it has stuff, and there have stuff about a witcher or a witch man. <laughs>
0: yeah, and it didn't have, like, nearly uh, a very high opinion of the witch man.
1: Yeah, and it says, do not touch a witch man, you could come down with mange
0: <laughs> yeah, that's right i forgot about that
1: oh and there's a great bit it's like do not pay him any more than like a half well half credit or something i don't remember what it was but it was like very little money and girl like no no you're gonna pay me way more than this
0: yeah it was like a silver penny or three halves
1: <laughs> yeah and he's like i don't think so and it says something like keep your women away because they're very sexual and they want to sleep with all the women <laughs> yeah and dandelion thinks this is hilarious it's like oh they've got you down <laughs> and so they figure out you know he's a sylvan and uh i love the part when Geralt goes there alone and he wants to talk some sense into this uh sylvan and he's like uh like let me tell you a riddle. <laughs> keeps yeah, yeah, challenging him to the stuff that that girl is like
0: not at all interested in
1: yeah he's like if you solve the riddle then i'll leave but if i if you don't get the riddle, i'm staying and you have to leave and he's like race me to the other town whoever gets there first and he's like i'm not doing that and he's like uh, okay and he tells him the riddle and he's like uh do you do you have the answer and he's like no i don't And he like doesn't even think about it <laughs> he doesn't even try yeah and i love there's a line where girl says you're really starting to get on my nerves. <laughs> and then he's like, yeah. I have a game for you, for for you. And he's like, oh really? What is it? And he goes, don't do unto others what you would ha- not have them do to you. <laughs> and then he just like pelts him right in the head with an iron ball. Yeah. I and mean, he just starts like trying to beat his ass. <laughs> like yeah. He just was... starts wrestling with him, trying to grab him. And he's like kicking Geralt in the head with his hooves. And there's a, yeah, it says, like, Geralt, at this moment, Geralt was pleased that no one was around to witness this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because I just pictured him wrestling with a goat man, and it was hilarious.
0: Was, was this whole storyline, like, one of your, the ones you enjoyed
1: the most? Yes. I, it was very funny. You know, a lot of the book is really funny. It is, yeah. Very there's funny. A, there's, like, this dry humor throughout the entire book of uh, this, things are kind of amusing as you're reading them and this was really amusing.
0: Yeah, the, the I think the combination of having uh dandelion and um Torqua who is the sylvan um
1: yeah, that, oh, yeah they
0: made this my probably my favorite.
1: You learn his name is Torqua and uh he uh Garalt hears someone writing up and he thinks it's uh dandelion. And it turns out it's not. And they knock him unconscious. It happens to be elves who live in the mountains. And uh, there's one elf, this woman, and she really does not like him. Uh, It turns out the elves hate humans. And I kind of got a kind of Native American kind of thing here.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: The elves were here first, and the humans learned what they could from them and then ran them off or killed them. And some elves have integrated into society as we will learn in the next story but other elves like them they went to the hills and they lived it turns out they you know elves you know we see in all kinds of lore are in tune with nature and the land provides to them they don't really know how to farm and grow stuff stuff just grows for them right so it turns out they've uh recruited torqua to take grain and stuff for them to grow their own food I guess to keep them alive and
0: yeah it turned well out- it, it's it's interesting that like uh, and I know I keep saying it's interesting a lot sorry um what I found interesting was that you know we have this whole Native American vibe in this story but it's a polish book yeah you know I it, it's that too. it's uh, so I'm wondering if we're just picking up on that because we're americans or if this guy actually intended that and is kind of giving us a commentary of what we thought of or what he thinks about how we did that or if that's just kind of a universal theme across the planet
1: it's happened you know all across the planet where there was indigenous people somewhere and other people arrived and took from them yeah. You know, like the Aborigines in Australia or whatever. Mm-hmm. It happens everywhere and it's terrible. But Geralt is basically saying, you don't have to do this. You could trade with them. And they're like, we'll trade with no humans. And they're like, Oh, okay. And he's like, well, then you're fools. And he's like, you need to integra- integrate with, you know, with the humans. And they're like, we'll never do that. Cause they, they're filled with too much hate and rage for humans. And basically, I forget what the guy's name was. The elven leader. They're basically going to kill a dandelion and Geralt. and uh, he's trying to talk to Toroville. No, no, Ph- 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 philavandril is there.
0: philavandril yeah. Uh,
1: Toroville is the uh, the female one that smashes Dandelion's loot. Yeah, <laughs> he smashes his <laughs> instrument. <laughs> And uh, he's basically saying that we will be up in the mountains. Eventually we will, you know, we'll be starving. We will decide to die with honor and ride to town and start a fight with the humans and die that way. And he basically says, we're not here to kill them now because they don't even have a guard posted sentry at night. You know, they're just living here off the land and they have no fear of anyone showing up, taking it from them. And uh, they're kind of like disgusted by they're living in this rich crop area on the edge of the world where the elves used to thrive. And now these humans are here. So, yeah, kind of angry. And,
0: and and Geralt's kind of telling them, like, look, the writings on the wall, you know, like they're way more of us. You you guys don't have the ability to produce crops Uh, you know, your way of life is pretty much over. Sorry, you're gonna have to deal with it. And they're like, "Well, we'd rather die than have to change the way we want to live."
1: Yeah, and he compares himself to them, and he goes, "I'm not human. They treat me like a second-class citizen. You, I have to do it, and you could do it too." And they're just like, "No, we won't." And so they're like, "Unfortunately, we need to kill you now." And that's when the forest being shows up
0: yeah well before that i love how uh you know Geralt is is saying you know fine kill me nobody cares about me but let him go he's trying to uh, free his friend but dandelion instead of being the coward that you expect him to be is like no I, I, if you, if you kill him, I'm coming after you, Oh yeah, that you know, which cool. is kind of stupid, but also shows that he's a lot braver than you'd think he was.
1: Well, Philip Vandrell says, uh, he goes, don't kill my friend here. Just kill me. You know, he's harmless. He's a bard or whatever. He's a musician, a poet. And he's like, no, he shall, once we kill you, he'll return to avenge you. And, um, uh, dandelion's like yes i will i'll come back i'll i'll kill you for my friend and uh girl's like shut up (laughs) (laughs) he's just like god shut up it's really funny so this uh queen of the fields shows up and the elves lower their weapons they kneel before her because she's this magical creature right and she's it turns out she's speaking to them telepathically and oh by the way Torquit, Torqua he was defending Geralt and Dandelion pleading with them not to kill them
0: yeah he totally changes his uh opinion and care. like I, I i part of me thought that was a little unjustified um, maybe he just doesn't want them to to be murdered but i don't understand where in that exchange would would he have felt the need to ally himself with uh with Geralt and Dandelion
1: right and it when the Queen of the Field shows up, Dandelion he faints, and yeah. there's a moment where uh, Torqua asks Geralt, you know, what what should I do with him because he's passed out, and he and Geralt says slap him, <laughs> and so <he, laughs> Torqua starts slapping him in the face, which is hilarious. And so uh, basically, Phil, uh, Phil evandrel he fr- you know he frees them, and he says that uh, they're letting them go and Torreville gives Dandelion a new, or Dandelion, whatever a new loot that's beautiful this beautiful like uh, ornate loot and they part ways and uh, Geralt wants to know what she said to get them to do an about face and basically that life renews itself yeah basically like things get better I guess
0: it was. She gave them a, a little bit of hope, and in in giving them that hope, that wasn't enough for them to kind of change their plans and and head back into the mountains.
1: And he even says, "Promise me, Witcher, that the day I come back down from the mountain f- to meet my fate, that you'll be here." And Geralt says, "I'll try," and that's pretty much. You it. You think that's
0: something that, that we're going to find out in books later?
1: Well, there's a book that has the bl- it's called the blood of elves so i think that's oh, okay <laughs> yeah. and i was like nice. it's called philip andrew's revenge <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was like oh shit he's back <laughs> yeah. well what's funny is the story ends with them around a campfire it's the it's a uh, geralt it's dendillion and torqua around a campfire and he's coming up with a song and i just love that picture of them around a campfire
0: this yeah. quote man next to him I really hope that Torqua is, like, part of the crew, you know, so do later I, on. I really yeah. was hoping
1: he shows up again, because I love that he ended up being on their side, you know?
0: Yeah. He was yeah, just he's, he, he's he he a, just a great character.
1: Yeah, he really is. I guess we should uh, quickly talk about The Last Wish, because we're running out of time, big time. So the Sounds good. Let's do this, because finally we're going to learn something about Yennefer. The, uh, this story begins hilariously with Dandelion and Geralt. I, see, I just go back and forth. Is that okay? It's all good.
0: No, it's totally fine. I, I kind of like it.
1: <laughs> they're fishing for catfish. <laughs> for oh, <breakfast>. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is hilarious, just picturing them fishing for catfish. And, well, I love they're, like, arguing the entire time. <laughs> yeah, about how to do it. And Geralt's like, you know, how does a bard know how to fish or whatever? And basically getting on each other's nerves... And uh, I just I love this interaction between them. I just think it's funny. And well,
0: I also I also love that he's like this giant, powerful Witcher and this this famous bard. But they're all, like so down on their luck that they have to like resort to catching a fish and trying to sell its skin so they can make like enough money to, to get by for a
1: while. Yeah, it's it's really kind of sad, isn't it? And they yeah they uh, find I guess a sealed vase
0: yeah it's a it's I think they said it's an amphora, which is like a it's like a big vase they used in Roman times to, yeah, to store sealed. stuff when they were shipping
1: and it's sealed and immediately, which I think is funny is uh dandelions like, oh it's a gin there's a gin inside the bottle. I get three wishes like he immediately <laughs> yeah knew exactly what it was, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Geralt's like, oh, don't, uh, don't be silly, you know that's not what it is, or whatever. And his first wish is to kill this rival bard in another town. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> which I, he, I think is hilarious. But he, he does uncork it, and it's uh, like a cloud of red mist comes out, and it is a friggin' genie, basically.
0: Well, and, and that's when I, I, I texted you before because in my mind I was trying to connect all of these stories back to their original. Um, like, uh, fairy tales, you know, right. th- that they were coming from. And so I was thinking, well, is Dan Dillion like a kind of a play on the name Aladdin? They kind of <laughs> sound similar, but then I was like, well, DD, what other DD do I know that that had to do with a genie? And so then I started thinking Daffy Duck when he <laughs> found that genie and and basically was acting like Daffy Duck in that, that one cartoon.
1: Yeah, he is basically, he is Daffy Duck. <laughs> Well, what's funny is the, the the genie goes right for his throat before he can utter, you know, he you learn later that they want to keep you from, you know, giving him a wish because they want to get away before they're your slave and have to grant your wishes. Right. Yeah. They're trying to escape
0: to their own dimension.
1: Right. And we kind of learn all about genies here or gins. And it was very interesting. I thought that they're like. Uh, different genies of different elements, basically. I really should have reread this or written it down, but uh, basically, you know, there's earth, water, uh, whatever, fire. and And wind. Yeah, and wind. And if a sorcerer can basically enslave this genie, they can basically supercharge their powers and become omnipotent, which sounds really badass, doesn't it? yeah it does but you have to get the genie after it's granted the wishes like when they're vulnerable when when they're under someone's spell of having to answer three wishes you can't do anything with them
0: yeah they can't they can't be bottled if they're if there's still unspent wishes out there
1: right so there's this great moment where uh, Geralt he you know he's like this is a demon I will do an exorcism I've learned this ancient exorcism (laughs) from a priest years ago i will say this out loud and he basically casts the the genie away so he's like oh shit that worked okay and so he goes uh, dandelion he's like bleeding from the mouth he's really hurt badly so he takes him to a local town where these elves are like hey you can't come in right now uh between uh dusk and dawn like you can only come in in the morning, so he's like, "Shit, what do I do now?" Like my friend is hurt, I need uh, a sorcerer of some kind to uh, to help him. And they're like, "Well, nearby there's uh, this one named Yennefer. Uh, you should go there." And that's when he goes to a town and finds Yennefer. Uh, <laughs> well, does it? Yennefer has like uh, She already has a. Um,
0: Reputation,
1: Yeah, a bit of a reputation in this town. Like, people are calling her a whore and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. And so he goes there to ask her help, and automatically she's, like, quite a character. And oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely
0: she- knows she's the smartest person in the room.
1: She's calling for apple juice, so he brings her apple juice. <laughs> well, first he knocks out the guard to
0: get up there and, like, not, you know, threatens another guy, and then but still brings the apple juice up to her.
1: Yeah, and she, uh, when she realizes he's not who he's supposed, you know, he's not the other guy, she casts, like, a uh, lightning bolt or something at him, and he, he blocks it with one of his signs. And um, she's kind of impressed by that, like, whoa, he blocked a spell here. This guy's kind of interesting. Let me hear a story. So she's like, well, first I need to bathe. And so she turns herself invisible and he basically watches her bathe like with water going around a nude body kind of see-through. It was kind of yeah. interesting. And all he smells is lilac and gooseberries, right?
0: Oh, a callback to my, my initial thing I said, how about <laughs> yeah, that?
1: That's right. And so, uh, she basically agrees to help and, She creates a portal and uh, he's like, I don't like portals. And he recalls one time seeing only the half of a person arrive through a portal. (laughs) Yeah. Some people have gone into portals never to be seen again. But she's like, My portals are quite safe.
0: Yeah, I like how portals are like, kind of like in Harry Potter, they're just like super dangerous.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And so they, uh, her portals are reliable. So they arrive there and uh she's helping Dandelion recover but she needs something from him because remember he keeps a secret of what happened right away uh, but it kind of you know can did she read his mind Dandelion's mind that's why she knows about the uh
0: the the seal the seal yeah i don't know if she read his mind or if she just kind of knew how this whole thing worked
1: and that's where we kind of learn about the uh the reason the genie came right after him is because it didn't want him to utter a wish. At first, I was like, oh my god, it went after that bard and killed him. I felt really bad about that, but that's not what happened. So anyway, Jennifer manipulates Geralt by biting him on the lip, and he's under her spell, and it's like lilac and gooseberries, lilac and gooseberries. I <laughs> yeah. And he wakes up in jail, and I thought this whole thing was hilarious where they're basically telling him like yeah you marched on down and you you pulled the guy's pants down, <laughs> down yeah. you spanked him with your sword you spanked him with a the sword then you fought off all the guards with a a stick or it was like a a cane i just picture yeah that they, like, they basically came
0: out armed to the teeth and he beat them all up with a stick
1: yeah and he was going to another... Basically, all the men who've been spreading rumors about her being a whore and all this stuff, she had Geralt go get revenge for her by humiliating them in town. And when he was on his way to the next guy, he passed out because he, he's a witcher. He's strong. He was fighting off the spell, but he passed out. And so now these guards come to the uh, jail and they're going to rough him up. And uh, this elf guy who's with them. Seems like a really cool guy. Oh, Ch- Chiridian, Is that his name? Um, um I,
0: I, I, that's close. I, I forget a hundred percent how yeah. he Chiridian
1: is there in jail with him. He goes, I'm here because I told them not to kill you as you were passed out. And they threw me in jail with you. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, Oh, you mustn't kill him. And so they're, down there roughing him up they're punching Geralt in the stomach and he says I wish you would burst basically and the guy bursts in front of all of them and explodes over all of them and I think I wasn't I hadn't figured it out yet that's how dumb I am yeah
0: I I hadn't figured it out either
1: but Geralt has been granted the three wishes what we don't realize is that when Geralt said the exorcism he was actually saying what were the exact words? Like, get the F out. Go away and
0: get out and go F yourself, basically. Yeah,
1: get out and go F yourself. That was his first wish.
0: So that was considered a. Okay, I was wondering if that was uh, one of his wishes.
1: So the genie took off and I guess went and f himself. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I wonder what that looked like. <laughs> yeah, what, what was that scene? So uh, the second That's... wish is he made this guard burst over everyone and he exploded. And so now he's before, uh, before the town, the towns guys. I, I'm not really saying, saying this properly, but uh, you know the the guys who run the town. They're yeah. He's in the court. magistrate or whatever. Yeah, he's in court. The mayor. They're, uh, exp- he's trying to explain. Well, you see, I was under the, uh, you know, this sorceress. She put me under her spell, and that's why I did all of this. And uh, one of the priests... Isn't he a priest? He's like... Yeah, uh, he's a priest. He's like, yes, this is true, what he's saying. And he kind of explains what jinn's and genies and how it all works. And she means to get control of this genie so she can become all-powerful. And he's like, this is great because the genie's just going to kill her. There's no way she's powerful enough to be able to get a hold and it's so funny because at that point a portal opens up and it's Dandelion and he pops through and he goes i wish for you to understand Geralt is innocent because he thinks, he
0: still has <laughs> the wishes. Yeah. He thinks he's got the wishes <laughs> yeah
1: and that doesn't work at all and Geralt decides he needs to go save her so he goes through the portal to go save her and they're all like you're a fool witcher you'll be killed too So, uh, they're basically, it's him and Yennefer fighting back and forth, and he's trying to tell her that, you know, it's going to kill her. And Geralt essentially has to use his final wish here. And we're supposed to be able to figure out what the wish is. You know, by the end, you know, were you thinking the wish is he wishes Yennefer to fall in love with him? Yeah, well, the thing was, like, I kind of
0: had some theories about this, uh, and it kind of wraps in the entire book. I mean, every every like thing, every story that that we've seen so far, except for the edge of the world one, was kind of about like a, a kind of a bit of a perverted love story, you know. And you have this character who's Geralt, who is kind of. Um, trying to find meaning in his life he's not necessarily uh uh, as necessary as he once was and so he's trying to find some sort of meaning somewhere and he i kind of think he's trying to find that meaning through love because that's why he was so haunted by uh the fact that he killed renfrey because he was he was killing off his chance to find this love that he was looking for and so that's why he he decided to wish for yennefer to love him just because uh maybe he was trying to find some sort of meaning in his world. I I don't know. It's it's I know there's something there. I'm just not 100% sure.
1: I've read other people's interpretations of it also, which I think is interesting. One thing is that the the genie intends to kill her. It wants to kill her, but it will not kill a wish a wisher. Not a witcher, but the someone who makes the wishes. <laughs> So, uh, they're forbidden from killing whoever asked them for wishes. So what Geralt did is he wished his fate intertwined with hers. So oh, that makes sense. So she would not be killed. So now they're bound, their fates are bound forever because his wish is granted and it kept her from being killed by the genie. I but think so,
0: so did he, so she ended up falling in love with him because of that act? I mean, there, there's definitely some...
1: He did a selfless <clears throat> act for her, basically. I like that much better than a guy saying, Hey, you love me. You have to. I mean, yeah. I, I
0: like it too, but I, I don't, Jennifer doesn't seem the type of character that would, uh, you know, I, I, that would fall in love with him because of that. You know, well, she,
1: she's immediately very intrigued by him. And what I think is interesting is when he sees her, he kind of says, beautiful women aren't sorceresses. Uh, they go on to be married off to men for the families and stuff. So how could this beautiful woman be a sorceress? It's because she didn't start out that way. And he kind of sees her as a hunchback and immediately feels bad about thinking that and kind of casts it from his head. Cause he doesn't want Yennefer to read his mind to see that he knows she was once a, once a hunchback, which I thought was very interesting.
0: Yeah. He doesn't want her to resent him for knowing her secret.
1: Right and so basically i think it's funny when all the the genie is gone and everything's died down they go to check on him and i think and the elf he's like uh, and uh dandelion thinks they're dead like oh my god they're dead and he goes and looks through the window he's like oh, i think we need to give them some privacy because basically they're doing it you know <laughs> yeah and so yennefer uh and Geralt, they're There's something here. And what we find out in the stuff with Neneke is things went bad with them. And uh, Geralt kind of says, she was too possessive, like ordering me around and stuff. Like she's used to having her way. And Neneke like, don't talk anymore of this. I don't want to hear about this. And he basically is trying to give his jewels that he got from killing the Striga to Yennefer. And she's like, you don't bribe a woman you've angered with jewels, and he's like, no, it's for her to pay for basically Yennefer yearns to have a child and sorceresses can't have children. And I thought yeah. that was very interesting there that her longing is to be a mother. And
0: yeah, but she had to give up th- that gift. It, it, uh, basically, her ovaries atrophied. Uh,
1: yeah, which is in really the process of up.
0: her being becoming a sorceress,
1: right? Like, apparently, her body, you know, had to go through some more, you know, you know, some kind of uh, transformation that really messed her up inside, you know. So Geralt he wishes to give her w- what she wishes, and that is a, a child. And uh, apparently, they're not talking to each other right now; <laughs>
0: they're avoiding each other. Something tells me that there this is gonna we're gonna see this again, this yeah. whole relationship down the line quite a bit.
1: I thought I know I sped through this just for time's sake, but I thought this was a really cool chapter. And oh
0: yeah, it was it, it um I mean it was kind of the payoff of the entire book, really.
1: And I laughed out loud that his exorcism was basically telling the go F yourself. That was hilarious. <laughs> yeah.
0: Definitely. That was laughed so, out loud funny. W- what uh i mean what what's your overall impression of of the the story the book and the the world so far
1: i love the love the world and i want to know more about it i want to know more about Geralt. i want to know more about the cities and stuff because you read about the different towns they're in but it doesn't stick it's just like where i don't understand this or whatever i'd like to know have more of a picture painted of the world so i understand where things are you know like, oh, okay, I get but this is a seaside town and this is a town in the mountains kind of a thing. And we kind of get an idea of where things are. Uh, I want to know, I can't wait to get to the actual novels so we have a big story. I can't wait. Yeah, to- I, I kind of
0: wonder what um, what the difference will be between the two. Like when you said that we were going to be doing a book of short stories, I was thinking that they weren't going to be nearly as connected yeah. as, as this was. And so it kind of... Um, it, like I said, it's not, it's not at all what I was expecting in a lot of different ways.
1: Yeah. We have one more book of short stories, sort of, uh, I can't, what is the book called?
0: <laughs> oh, no, I don't know. I'm not Why sure. Why do we keep blanking
1: I... on the, oh, on sort of destiny, okay. sort of destiny. That's there you the go. next book, sort of destiny. And then we will be getting into the novel, the first novel called blood of elves, which I can't wait to get into the novel. Um, this book is wrapped up at the end with those guys turning up again. Do you remember? Oh, that's right. I forgot about that whole part. They're like, you must fight him, but you cannot lay a hand on him. You cannot (laughs) hit him with your sword or you'll be put to death. Basically.
0: Yeah. Basically we want our buddy to say that he beat a witcher.
1: Yeah. And they're, he's like, so I can't harm him anyway. And they're like, no. And he's like, what, you know, what do I have there? You know, why would I do this? And, uh, Basically, he figures out a way to fight the guy. His name is Talos from Dorndal. Uh, he figures out a way for Talos or Talos. I don't know how you say his name. Ta- Talos. Talos into hurting himself. He basically bounces his sword off Geralt's sword and it goes back into his face and cuts him in the face. <laughs> yeah. And he, I think it even says he lets out kind of like a, kind of a, a, like a, a whimper kind of sound like, oh, oh, like as it hits him and he falls to ground and there's a dwarf there that greatly respects Geralt. And he goes, I hope to meet you again one day. You know, he's the one keeping them all in check. Like this is, these are the rules. And if he follows the rules and he's fine. And it's like, Geralt did nothing wrong. He's free to go. And so him and Dandelion or Dandelion, they ride off into the sunset, you know? Yeah. I love, I love the
0: part about uh, where he's like, you know, a, 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 a knight without a scar is basically not a knight. And he's like, Look, he's thrilled that he's got his scar. And he's like yeah. on the floor, writhing like, You've in done pain. him a
1: favor. Now he's got a story about the scar. He fought a witcher. I thought that was great stuff. Yeah. It's a, it's, I mostly, I'm going to say this about Andre Sepkowski. I love that he has this hu- kind of like humor, this kind of frivol- frivolity. To his writing, that's everything's kind of fun, kind of like a, a nice tempo, you know?
0: Yeah. Oh man, my favorite line—I forgot when they were fishing. My favorite line in the whole book is when uh, Geralt says uh, to Dandelion that you make as good a fisherman as a goat's ass makes a trumpet. Like <laughs> yes. that type of <laughs> that type of dialogue throughout the entire book was oh, yeah.
1: uh, I'm awesome. I'm gonna say that Andrei Sebkiowski—he's got a gift with dialogue because the dialogue yeah definitely. Was, was so good and that that was its strength and i can't wait to read more in the next definitely one. and we're running out of time
0: ross oh we have so to we much. have to touch on uh the the last um when uh yola touches him oh and-
1: yeah 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 basically uh yola touches the witcher uh Geralt, as he's leaving and she has basically a seizure of a vision of what is it flames and stuff
0: well, it sends him into the trance and it, it, it's basically uh, like a bunch of broken bones and, and blood and a giant beast and all this really horrible stuff. So it seems like she is predicting his death. And it's kind of the reason why he is so resistant to the idea of destiny, because I don't think he wants that to happen.
1: Right. And part of me wonders, I don't know if you've seen the cover to the book, It's a dragon in Geralt, and there's no dragon in the friggin' book. Yeah, I was wondering about that. And I'm wondering, is this the vision she sees, maybe? Like, maybe this is the beast? Like, Geralt and a dragon's fates are intertwined or something? Or they just thought it was a cool cover, like somebody would know this, because there's a dragon on it. (laughs) It might be that. everybody
0: knows how much we love dragons.
1: Like, oh, dragon, buying this book. (laughs) Yeah. This was a lot of fun, Ross.
0: Are we gonna do it the next book? Oh yeah, definitely. I would love to. I, I uh, like I said, I, I am pleasantly surprised. I, I read a lot of uh fantasy stuff and so finding one that actually isn't full of cliches and isn't just kind of what you're expecting from this type of book is is really a breath of fresh air because a lot of those books are great and it's my it's definitely my favorite genre, but Man, they tend to run together. A lot of them do.
1: And I'm curious to how these will come, because uh, from what I've heard from other people, you know, like I said, there's YouTube videos of people going over the books by chapter and stuff. I just like to hear their thoughts that the novels are fantastic. So I can't wait to get to those.
0: I can only imagine they would be. Yeah. I mean, if this is, you know, the book of short stories, I can't I'm very, very excited to really dive into the main arc.
1: Yeah. And from what I understand, a lot of people start with the novels and there's a lot they're trying to keep up with. But by us reading these short stories, we'll be kind of ahead of the curve when we start. Oh,
0: yeah, it definitely makes sense. Yeah, because this is this like in terms of the storyline, storyline timeline, this takes place first, correct?
1: Yes. Gotcha. So that's awesome. Ross, thank you so much for joining me for our ETL book club of the first Witcher book.
0: I can't thank you for having me. I mean, if uh, you would have told me when I was listening to the first book club show that I would actually be co-hosting one of the ones in the future, I would have been like, I've made it, you know, if I've arrived.
1: The main thing we need to keep in mind is when we do these it's going to take like 3 hours apparently.
0: <laughs> yeah, apparently. Well, especially I think the uh, the novels are much longer. We might have to break them into a couple episodes.
1: Yeah, man. mean, jeez. It's crazy how everything runs together. But you know what? It may not be as hard because we're going by short stories like okay, here's That's another true. short story. Maybe like we're just talking about the overall story line and stuff and our favorite parts or something.
0: Um, yeah, we'll get there.
1: We'll figure it out, but Thanks a lot, man. Thanks for taking the time to do this with me. I appreciate.
0: Oh, thanks for having me, and thanks for bringing up the the book club. And I can't wait to do the next one. All so, right, man. Uh, and That's maybe Stephen can... will like you know actually pick the book up.
1: Yeah, and I was going to say the best part of this is we can now start on the next book.
0: Oh, I know exactly. I'm so excited. I'm going to uh, load it this time. Well, what was the name of the uh, the streaming service that you were telling about that has the audiobooks for a certain price per month?
1: Yeah, it's called Scribed, or it's spelled weird. It's like uh, S-C-R-I-B-D. And they have a lot of audiobooks on there? Yeah, it's like, they have a bunch of Witcher books on there, and basically it's like the first 30 days is free, and you can do as many books as you want in that time, but it's like $9 a month, and I thought that oh, was that's, pretty
0: that, cheap. That's sweet, because Audible is like $14 a month, and they give you one credit which is like uh, a free audio not a free audio book, but you're basically getting an, any audiobook for the $14 a month. And um, after you use that credit, you get a fat discount on anything else you want to get, but it's still not like the, the most uh, you know it's not the cheapest way of going about it. So mm-hmm. I'll, I'll check that other one out because if it's you know if they have books like this quality and they have a lot of them then I definitely want to want to try them. so
1: yeah cool hey let's do a sign off now Uh, okay sounds good Ross thank you so much for joining me for this book club guys thank you for listening and we will see you when we do the next book thanks Ross catch you later. see
0: you Jason thank you for having me on and I can't wait to be on for the next book if you will have me
1: I will thank you very much